I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. He has not looked at it. He has not looked at it. Casey Cannon, comma, check your Facebook Messenger for the link. Casey Cannon, check your messages. Check your things. Is he still up there or is he back? No, they're back. They're back. They got back uh, around uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Well, he, Billy got back at 3 o'clock. I don't know what time Casey got back. I, I'm assuming Casey's staying at his Florida residence, so I don't know. Did they fly? No, so Casey, I don't know if I think Casey drove down to Florida, met up with Hood, and then okay. the two of them met Billy in Orlando. It's kind of like a central point, and then drove north to Tinley. Caravaned. That's a long yeah. drive. It is. I mean, I I've I do I do the uh, South Florida to Philadelphia thing. Like I was doing that at least once a year, if not twice a year, for like a decade, and that's even farther. So, like, Tinley's even farther. So, yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Hmm. Well, this is episode 138 of Snakes and Stogies. It's brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out Facebook, Instagram, blackboxcages.com. Blackboxcages.com. You want to, you want to order a cage? Say you want to order a cage. Say, you place an order. Maybe a month passes by, two months, three months. The next Olympics are here. You still haven't heard about your order, where it's at. It's because you didn't order with Black Box. Because if you order with Black Box and you message us and you ask a question, hell of a concept, they reply. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's even me. Most of the time it's Jen. You get an answer. Where's your order? Here's where here's where it's at. Here's where we're working. We'll let you know when it's shipped. Yeah. Try to contain the uh, the mental explosion that just happened. I know, right? And then your package, it's going to fly across the country, wherever you may be, in one piece. It, in one piece, and not when like as in assembled, but in one piece as in FedEx yes. didn't just like. Damage. Jump it like it's getting jumped into a gang, like right. And you're gonna get that package, and you're gonna open it, and you're gonna see one of the greatest pack jobs. And what's anything. inside is a cannon. cannon. <laughs> there's a there's a cannon inside. There's a cannon inside every Casey. Hey, now I can hear you. Sorry. It, uh... Yes. So we're good. What's going on, guys. Blackboxcages.com. 
Python.com. Check them out. And then the Puget Sound Pythons folks, the Pacific Northwest, right over my, my shoulder here, right here. Look at that. Nom, 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 nom. Right there. Yeah. Check them out. Uh, Facebook, Instagram as well. Um, I know if you're in the like their general area up there, it sounds like they had a over uh, abundance of rodents that they they were looking to part with feeders. Not not live. I don't think. I don't know. But if you're in the Pacific Northwest, hit them up because they they may have a sweet deal on some rodents. So, anyways. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Exotics, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Phil Wolf on, the other, side of, on the other side of, of Casey there, uh, knobtails.ig, and then in the middle there, in the, the sandwich parked between two beards, whoops, ah, here we go, Is Casey Cannon with that stash coming in, look at that. Yeah, I know, right, this is the, uh, the Tinley haven't shaved in a bit look I got going on right now. The Tinley Shadow. Casey Flawless Jawline Cannon. Casey Perfect Bone Structure Cannon. Yes. Hey, you got a Bucky's. The Bucky nice. shirt. Love you it. Wore, you wore that at Tinley, didn't you? And people were like, what the hell? I did not wear it at Tinley. Oh. <laughs> What's funny is. For those of you who don't know, I rode with Jason Hood, and Jason Hood uh, may as well be a uh, sales rep for Bucky's because he wants to stop at every single one he sees. Nice. He likes to uh, spread the good word about the uh, the beaver themed gas stations slash theme park. Let me tell you about the holy beaver nuggets that you can get at Bucky's. Spreading the good word about the beaver nuggets. The nugs. Um, I thought it was funny how Matt and Jamie came up to Daytona. Matt and Jamie came up to Daytona last minute just to say, hey, let's go for the day, you know? And they're like, you know what? We miss how fun this is. Let's get a room and stay for the night. But they had no clothes. They had no toiletries. They had no nothing. What they do? They went to Bucky's and they got full ensemble. They got clothes. They got shoes. They got food. They got a cooler with beer. Who's better than them? And they filled up their gas tank. And they filled. Up and their tank. when you've really made it, we've decided this. You know you've made it when you get one of the Bucky's crystallized bull skulls and you can mount it on the hood of your car. That's uh, when you really when you really made it in the reptile world. I think it's uh, it's a must have. It is a crystallized bull skull to uh, bolt on the front of your Lamborghini. It won't be obvious when I've made it as a reptile breeder, but there will be signs. <laughs> oh, I love it. You need to wear your shades when you look at the, the hood of my car. Oh, it'll get you. Like staring at the sun. It'll get you. What are you smoking tonight, Phil? So, I, I got a. You started early. Yeah, I well, I did. I started on my way home from work. I uh, <laughs> I was gonna smoke on my way to work, and I was like, I'll have a nice morning smoke. And I forgot about it and sat in my car all day. And uh, it's a uh, Oliva Torpedo, and I don't remember exactly which one it is. Siri G. Uh, sure. It's like a Toro sized torpedo. It's a Siri G, I think. Okay. And, uh, I got about a third into it and I was like, what am I doing? I gotta, I gotta save this for when we're on air. And, uh, and I got a number nine as backup. So we're good. I, uh, am smoking Blackbird Cigar Company Unkind. 
you are into those blackbirds man dude this no this unkind legitimately is one of the most unique cigars on the market right now flavor wise like the blend is really really bizarre it's from like three or four different countries that you don't typically see some cigar tobacco from do you remember it's just really different i don't i'll have to look it up Ah, okay but it's just it's an odd blend because you see it and you're like that's that's different so yeah um yeah, I have that, and then I have a Romacraft Cro Magnon Corona on the staple. Standby, that's right. Nice. And Mr. Cannon, what adult vice are you partaking in this evening? Uh, literally none, because oh. I was in Tinley all weekend, he's, he's and recovering still. I'm recovering. I'm uh, I'm running on the strong hallucinogen of a uh, very strong lack of sleep. I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So it's a Brazilian wrapper. Dominican binder filler is a Nicaraguan Corojo, Nicaraguan Criollo 98 and Pennsylvania, what I assume is broadleaf. So just a very eclectic blend. It is very eclectic. So, well, you're alive. So you you survived. We're all alive. We are. Yeah. For those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, uh, Casey Cannon, Billy Hunt, and Jason Hood carpooled up to the Tinley Reptile Show. And uh, I felt obligated. Let's be real here. I had FOMO like a son of a bitch. And I was at work Saturday and I was like, man, I never really cared about Tinley. And now like everyone I know is going and I'm not. And I facetimed casey and he showed me the goods i did we had a really sh- sweet table show set up, didn't we? It, it was awesome it was absolutely awesome so we had to have casey come on tonight and uh tell us i'm also uh, the only one of the group who is still awake partially because i had to drive like 10 hours less than the other two guys but That's yeah true. uh sunday night uh loaded the car up so 5 30 chicago time we hit the road uh we got to uh got to georgia Dropped me off at like 4.45, and I think they drove until like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, they went the whole 21-plus hours, however long it takes to get from the Windy City to uh, Orlando. Wow. That's wild, man. Yeah, so props to them. Yeah, right? Yeah, I I called Billy, and uh, I was like, hey, man. He's like, hey, what's up, bro? And I said, you coming on Snakes and Stogies tonight? Going to give us a Tinley recap? He goes, Man, I, I I just I just woke up and I, I gotta put all these snakes away. I, I, gotta pass. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, a, a justifiable excuse. Yes. Welcome, yeah. criminal crusties. Yeah, Hi, criminal Virginia crusties. will try and stay as long as work permits. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a long drive, man. I know. Jake, when he went to like Northeast Carpet Fest, even that was. That wasn't even anywhere near as, as long as that. Yeah. Just. Well, crazy. I think what also screws you up is so, you know, I was saying earlier how I used to drive from South Florida to Philly. And depending on the time of year, I would try and choreograph it to avoid the major rush hours. Right. So, like, you're going to have a rush hour at Jacksonville. You're going to have a rush hour at like Richmond. Yeah. You're going to have a rush hour at DC. You're going to Trying to miss hour. all the rush hours in the major, yeah. major market. And it's just impossible. It's unless you were leaving your house at like two in the morning, it is almost impossible to leave from like central Florida 
to Atlanta and not hit traffic. It's just it's so hard to miss because this traffic is so bad that part. Well, what I would do is I figured out that when I was younger, I had better, you know, mental stamina and I would leave at like 6 p.m. and drive through the night. And that would put me in Philly at like seven ish in the morning. And it was just smooth sailing. I yeah, you're past no all traffic. Right. But in my older age, I realize I can't do that because I get sleepy at like three in the morning. And because yeah, I've been well, up the, the whole thing day. is you're you're fine yeah. for the first like four hours, and then it slowly like just starts. To... Well, and that's what I realized harder harder. if I'm gonna do that, I have to wake up at like six a.m., stay up till like noon, power nap until like four or five and then leave at least that's how i would choreograph mm-hmm. it which of course your circadian rhythm at that point is like what the hell are you doing to me yeah exactly what's exactly. happening yeah oh he, he fell asleep right now hmm. but yeah no as far as the show went uh billy and i billy and i both agreed we had the the best money wise show we've ever had I I don't know what the total is, but I made between thirty five hundred and four grand, and I think Billy Billy's somewhere around in there too. Awesome. Jason said he didn't have the best show ever, but you know, the man's got black headed pythons. After after a few weeks from now, when people try to hit him up, yeah, yeah, then he'll do well. You know, he's always said that's kind of what the shows are like for him is they're just advertising for online mm-hmm. sales. The only but, reason Phil made it was Newports and Smooth Jazz. <laughs> oh, we lost Phil. There he goes. Um, yeah, I mean, in comparison to Daytona, I know it's kind of apples to oranges, but you so, did, you've been to Daytona too, and yes, it sounds like it was night and day. Yeah, Daytona Health-wise. was. It was not a good sales show. You know, Daytona's always been the like the chilled out party show where everybody goes to hang out and. You know, uh, there's the beach outside. Everybody gets to hang out after the show, and it's great. Tinley is a work weekend for us. You know, some of the Northeast guys will say it's the exact opposite, but they're wrong. Um, yeah, like Tinley for us is like very little sleep. Um, the sh- It's a true three-day show, too. Like we set up at 12 o'clock, and we sat at our table like we were vending until about 7.30 that night on Friday. Uh, made pretty good sales on Friday, too. And then Saturday, so I don't know why uh, the reptile world has decided in the last, like, two years that we weren't doing it the right way before. And, like, we have to incorporate VIP and stuff like that because, you know, Daytona was completely mismanaged as far as, like, the opening show. And Tinley went the opposite way where they said VIP are allowed to come in at 730 in the morning. So the vendors need to be coming in at 730 in the morning. On Saturday, so seems seems excessive. Yeah, it was. It was a bit excessive. So you know, Billy and Jason got down there early. Um, I didn't come in until about like eight fifteen, but we stood the entire time from like you know seven thirty eight fifteen up until about uh about six o'clock in the afternoon on the evening. You know, made made decent sales. Better, honestly, it was like. For us, we had better sales on Friday and on Sunday. Like they really started coming in on Sunday. Yeah. Interesting. Forgive me if I missed it with my bad connection, but you guys were looking at. The, I guess they had auction tickets. 
they did, we didn't actually go to the auction. Like yeah. we kind of popped in like the very end of it. Um, the Jason Hood's friends with some of the the Crested Gecko people, and apparently like the Crested Gecko people like run the show at Tenley. Really, right? They are. They got their own like big club, so we went out to a uh, Chicago style pizza place with them on Saturday night, and on Friday night we went with them to a hibachi place. Nice. So we were kind of like the lone little like corner of snake guys, and with the the crested gecko people who are like, oh, you know, we only made like eleven grand this weekend for us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, I no. just I just thought it was interesting how you know Daytona, it's all for US Arc, right, and the auction. There's a couple of different things. It's for in Tinley Park. There's a, a Tell Hicks auction, which is an artist who got paralyzed. Right. Then they do U.S. Arc, and then they do something else. They, they split into three groups, but the majority of the money goes to uh, U.S. Arc. But I, I just found it interesting that they're it's a charity event for our community, and they were charging admission to it. And I felt yeah. like that's a real quick way to have people not show up. You know, I mean, then, frankly, so you got a free mm-hmm. ticket if you um if you donated an item, you got like two or three free tickets. So that would cover most of the tables. Um, And then, yeah, it was like 10 bucks a ticket to get in for do anybody who like didn't donate something. Too, or do they do like, is it like Daytona where they have the live auction and then like a silent auction? They they do. They do. Um, Like I said, we were out at the we were out of the pizza place during all that. Like we kind of popped in the very last, like mm-hmm. three items for the live auction. So I didn't really see anything of it. Okay. But I don't know. I mean, I don't like to be, be that guy, but the Daytona auction, I'm just like, I really don't care about it. Like I have no <laughs> desire, especially it sounds like this year it's, it was horrible. Cause like the AC wasn't working or something. Oh yeah. It was, it was uh, atrocious. And it's like, if I'm going to, I don't want to sit there and watch people bid on stuff. Like, honestly, it's not exciting for me either. I mean, so I've, it does nothing for me. I don't I've bid a few things on the silent auction, but I, I agree 100%. Like, it's just not my thing. And I don't know. Maybe it's because we're not like the high rollers who are like trying to get everybody to clap for them when they spend seven grand on a, on a painting. But I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, better seven grand on a painting than like jello shots or something stupid. I don't know. I, I get the whole point of everyone trying to outcompete each other because it is for a good cause. Um, it's just it very quickly becomes a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And I'm trying not to be offensive. Um, it turns into like a dick swing contest. Yes. You know, 100 percent. And it's like, OK, oh, really? You spent five grand on those coasters? Well, pff, this napkin holder. 10 grand what are you going to say about that and it's like that's not what this should really be about like i commend you for the tax write-off that you've just donated but i tell you man i have way more fun walking around with friends looking at the silent auction you know and you find something that you didn't think you liked and obviously everyone's going to pay a little bit more because it is going for charity but that's the fun of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think that the silent auction is a lot of fun that now Tinley used to have some crazy like gecko symposiums and stuff. Do they still have that stuff? I didn't hear about any kind of talks or anything like that. But then again, we may just not have been in the loop for that. Um, this time it was uh, there's a lot more YouTube influencer stuff going on this show. Interesting. So uh, the big thing at all of them is uh, Emily and Ed, right? Snake Discovery. 
Yeah. They call in their people and they say, okay, if you're wearing last year, it was onesies. So you had a bunch of people wearing like, you know, Lilo and Stitch onesies, uh, teddy bear onesies, like stuff like that. So you'd see people and you're like, what the heck's going on this year? They were doing uh, where's Waldo. So the first time I walked in there, I was like, Oh, there's somebody dresses Waldo. That's hilarious. And then I see, and there's like 30 more and I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's what's going on. Okay. I was going to give you props because I thought you were original, but uh, <laughs> they're trying to get a sticker from from Emily, which more power to her, honestly. Whatever works. They probably made more money than any of us at that show. <laughs> yeah. I don't but yeah, you know, like Kaufman was walking where, around. Uh, Barshek showed up for a little bit. Uh, uh, just, just like all the pet tuber people were there at some point. Which that seemed to be more of a thing than like any like symposium talks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Criminal Cresties brings up a good point. I feel like the shows are becoming more about who uh, you know versus what you know. Education is taking a backseat to clout. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yep. 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 That's, I mean, prime example, like when me and Chris were walking around Daytona, you know, we were talking to all the, the older guys there and like the knowledge and stuff they had was like infinite. But those are the guys you, unless you've been around for a long time, you don't, you wouldn't be able to pick them out of a crowd. But I love that. I uh, had a pretty good long conversation with uh, Ron St. Pierre that time too. And in my mind, Ron St. Pierre is like, you know, top three best reptile breeders of all time in my mind. Like the the accomplishments that guy's done and the innovations that guy's done with the outdoor stuff, it's he's Incredible. he's up there to me, you know, and, and oh, from yeah. where from where I'm standing, you know. And he's a really cool guy, and he's somebody that you can walk up to that table because no one really knows who he is, other mm. than the old school people. Yeah, the diehards, you know. <clears throat> so, did Casey Cannon make any pickups? Uh, I really tried not to actually. Uh, Billy <laughs> Hunt was going through. Um, he bought, he picked up a lot of different uh, beauty snake projects. He did uh, a bunch of calico stuff. Um, I think he picked up a uh, like a T plus albino, some kind of beauty snake, something like that. They were really pretty looking. Nice. Um, nice. We did pick up some ball python stuff between the two of us to uh, like we'll decide if we want to wholesale or we want to keep. You know, we've got a we've got a guy who's like been really really gracious to us for that kind of stuff. So I don't even know if I'd really count that as a pickup because, you know, we may keep like one of them. But yeah, no, I really made it a point. I feel like I've been going really, really hard in the buying department the last like two years. And I'm kind of starting to slow down a little bit because honestly, like I'm, I've got a lot of projects where I've got a lot of fat to trim and I'm kind of happy where I'm at right now and I'm running out of space. It's a hell of a segue for what Justin and I want to talk about tonight. (laughs) That's a hell it's of almost a like he knew. It's almost like he knew. I didn't yeah. know. So what are we talking about here? Justin, take it away, brother. So there was a conversation in the group chat this morning um, where I don't remember who asked it, but basically people, someone asked the gang if they were going to be cutting back on pairings next year. Or someone had mentioned that someone someone else they had talked to outside of the, the group 
uh, was selling corns wholesale and they were selling them for $10 where they normally would have sold them for 40 because there's just so much out there right now. Um, and so that kind of got a little brief conversation going, but it had me thinking, um, cause I know Chris mentioned he's not planning on breeding as much next year. I think JT said he's not planning on breeding as much next year. I'm still not exactly sure what I'm going to do. I still, I need to sit down and sort of plan out my pairings and stuff anyways, but there's more than enough time to do that between now and Valentine's day. Um, so it was me and Phil talked a little bit before we, we started, you know, before you came in, cause we were like, Casey's actually the perfect person to talk to you about this because Casey is you're you have a much better pulse on, um, the, the market, uh, you know, vending and, and all that stuff. You have stuff coming in, you have stuff going out. Um, and so I guess the, the overall question I had with the whole thing was like, is everyone else going to have that mentality of I need to not produce as much because I still have a bunch of stuff from this year. Sales have definitely slowed down. Um, I think that's just given the current state of the economy, I think with COVID and stuff and everyone being on lockdown and stimulus checks, everyone had nothing but money and nothing to do. And so like, that's when, people were buying stuff like crazy but now we're not seeing that now we're kind of seeing the opposite of that i think um where things are tighter it's not as bad as it was a couple couple weeks ago a couple months ago um but i don't know i mean do you think it's going to be a case of people are like are we going to see a vacuum next year in terms of like nothing being available because everyone cut back on breeding or do you think it's going to more or less sort of stay the same so Possibly. I mean, when I say I need to cut fat, I mean, I need to, I've got a lot of stuff that I have needed to sell for a while now. You know, like I've got freddles from 2021 that like, I didn't even bother to even try to sell. And right mm-hmm. now I'm like, okay, I should probably get on this right now. Like I need to sell a bunch of ball python stuff. I need to get rid of a bunch of rainbow boas. Um, you know, like, like stuff like that. Basically I've got a lot of excess stuff that I just didn't put a lot of effort into getting rid of. Um, Personally, I don't plan on really slowing down much of what I produce next year, just because honestly, like I had kind of a crappy year uh, last year. Honestly, I was planning on having the biggest year I've ever had in my life uh, last year, and it just didn't work out like that. But I could definitely see there being a shortage of a lot of stuff because people are people do seem to be kind of slowing down. I don't think me, Billy or Jason were. We didn't talk about that at all. Mm-hmm. but there's, we all kind of have to remember too, there's a lot of factors. And honestly, the stimulus check was a really big part of that where, you know, a lot of like lower and middle class people suddenly have room to burn. And that's kind of the lifeblood of the reptile world. Right. But, um, you know, with, with some of that stuff slowing down a little bit, I could definitely see sales taking longer to take off. Okay. Uh, talk to me after the show. Cause I, I have, hypos that from 2021 that need to go well i i think but, that, um wait, oh, go on casey sorry no, no no i was gonna say there's um there's a lot of factors and all this stuff too we're not talking about like the explosion of the colubrid burn uh the Took colubrid words world, out of my mouth it happened because the asian market opened up and right now the asian market is starting to transition where all these okay right what happened when uh, I first got in corn snakes for 15 bucks a piece. Yeah. 
then the Asian markets opened up. China, Hong Kong, uh, Japan, some of the Southeast Asian countries, Malaysia, Indonesia. They were like, okay, we want some of these really basic animals. They're easy to take care of, but to us, they're very exotic. So Cali Kings, corn snakes, all the uh, North American Pituopus stuff. And now... Now, what happened was the Americans who were selling them for 15 bucks a piece were suddenly getting offers from Asia saying, hey, we'll buy them for, for 40 So all that stuff went to Asia, and it became hard to get colubrids. And then supply and demand took over where all of a sudden there's a whole lot – there's a whole new floodgate of demand and the same amount of supply. And that's why corn snakes went from $15 to $150 in the last, like, four years. And people don't really understand that that's – what happened that and on top of the fact that gen z seems to be very much going towards the colubrid side as far as the snake you know the the new the younger the the uh generation younger than than me younger than you guys like that seems to be where they go is to colubrids yeah versus yeah. ball pythons mm-hmm. so what's happening now is asia the animals that got sent over three four years ago a lot of them ended up going to uh, what Jason called breeding factories, which they're literal, you know, they had the king rat facilities and they're just, we're going to have Cali Kings in there instead of king rats. Yeah. And they're starting to produce them and they can produce rodents way cheaper than we ever can. So I think you're going to see a real crash in the price of colubrids pretty soon. As soon as, uh, you know, Asia starts pr- producing stuff on the, uh, the level that they are capable and are going to be capable of producing from now on. Yeah. And uh, Mike Kosicki says, you know, Mexican Black Kings, $35 again next year. Ha ha. And that's that could very well be true. And I, I love that he picked up the Mexican Black Kings because for the longest time, you know, colubrids had their heyday. And then the people that wanted them still were colubrid people. That's really all they did. And then I remember, what was it, 2018, I think, maybe Daytona 2018, like that summer. Colubrid prices were skyrocketing because. And I don't know if it had something to do with the Asian market or not, but from what I was seeing and some of my other friends that are kind of out of the hobby, but they still keep, you know, they keep a finger in there, so to speak. They, t- they dip a toe in from time to time. They were noticing that everyone had Mexican black kings and we'll use them for an example. And it was like, ah, oh, it's a Mexican black. I don't need to breed mine this year. Plenty of people are making them. And then no one made them. And no one made them and no one made them. And then everyone's like, man, I really want one. I can't find it. And see, that's someone, exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And then someone, that and then, we're going to see next year with a lot of stuff. Is there going to be all of a sudden this, this, this vacuum effect where it's like everything. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think in my personal opinion, you're going to see a lull in 2023, uh, not desolate, but a, a, a lull, a Dell, if you will, because people bred a lot of crap this year. In, in 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 anticipations of the Asian market and and people being bored during COVID and and, and having aspirations of uh, expanding their collections during COVID and whatnot, and then you got a lot of people right now that are like, man, I made a lot of snakes last year. Let me let me give my girls a year off, yeah. or let me let me give myself a year off, whatever. And there's people that are still going to be breeding. So if you have ten people breeding Mexican Black Kings, and seven of them take a year off, that's okay. Because the people that still want Mexican Black Kings, they can buy them from those other three or four people, whatever it is. And then everyone's like, oh, well, where'd you get yours? Oh, I got it from, you know, Casey. And, and, and oh, well, he doesn't have any more, but he's going to do it again next year. And then 
next year, even more people will. So I feel like the days of it just dive bombing and plateauing low may have may not be the case. It may just be like a not as extreme. Yeah, not as extreme. Yeah. yeah. That's my but personal. I do also see the price of stuff starting to raise because you know, when COVID hit and the stimulus checks happened, um, readers started to realize that hey, people are willing to spend a lot more if I just wait like an extra month. You know, I got in some arguments with some guys saying like, oh, stuff's so overpriced now. I'm, you know, I can't believe these people are overpricing stuff. And it's like, well, it's selling. And that's because everything's going to start going up in price. And you're starting to see it now, too, with uh, like food prices on rodents and rodents in general, the price skyrocketing. Shipping. Why wouldn't you charge more? Yeah. yeah. Shipping. Everything's more expensive now. And I mean, there's so many factors in that, but. I just, I, I think a big thing of what happened in the last couple of years is breeders realized that I, I am going to try to charge more for some of my stuff and people will still buy it, you know, and I don't know if that's going to continue, but that was definitely a trend in the last like two and a half years. Yeah, but see, there's a difference between someone having a 20 or 30% markup because they are who they are and they are proud of their production right there's brettles but there's mm-hmm. not casey cannon brettles right and, and, uh, yeah let's cannon. let's let's use brettles as an example casey what's the going rate for a normal brettles right now mm-hmm. baby i'd probably charge like 250 yeah okay. depending on what it is where they've been though the okay so now let's say i go to a place like we'll just say underground because everyone knows underground right underground and this is mm-hmm. not the case this is completely hypothetical Let's pretend that I breed brettles and I got two clutches and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to deal with morph market. I don't want to deal with online and talking to people. I'll just wholesale them to underground. Underground's going to pay me 50 bucks a piece. They're going to sell them for 150. Now someone's going to go and look at that and they're going to go, oh man, a brettles for 150 bucks. Hell yeah, I'll buy it. And then they get their pet and they're happy. And there's other people that go, man, those are, that's a great price, but I'm going to wait and I'll buy Casey Cannons for 250 because I know Casey's a, a Brettle specialist and his bloodlines are fantastic and he's been doing it for a long time and I want to support small business, blah, 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 right? Now, if all of a sudden everyone says, well, Casey's selling them for 250 I'm going to make it 250 and across the board, they're 250 doesn't matter where it's from. Well, now you have the true market value. And that's where it's going to stay. And it's not until people are completely fed up that it's ever going to drop. And then the question is, will it ever drop back to 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or a hundred bucks, or will it just go to 225 or 200? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. But, and, and Brettles are a weird example where Brettles prices have always been all over the place. Sure. I mean, I, I saw Brettles for 50 bucks like retail price a couple times on fauna where you had guys just like, ah, 50 bucks. That's what I'm going to sell them for. And, you know, I'll be honest, like I, two fifty may even be low. You know, I could easily see, uh, putting on a three thirty, three fifty price tag mm-hmm. on a female, maybe even 400. I don't know. Right. But now you're, you're talking about the, and I'm not trying to discredit you in any way, you know, I'm your biggest fan, but you're talking about the Casey cannon line of animals opposed to the market price but i i really do think that that whole market concept is is very very prevalent especially with like we were talking about colubrids where at one point 
Mexican black kings were $35 snakes. Now they're a minimum of 180, 200, whatever it is. And I noticed this with the imports where, you know, Henry and I look at an import list and these are wild caught animals or quote unquote farm bred babies or farm produced babies. Snakes that were 20 bucks. Now they're 200. And we've said that it, it, the majority of it is because the host countries, the host localities that typically are what we would, you know, reluctantly call third world they now have the same internet they have 5g they have all the same stuff we do and they're seeing what we're selling it for and they're saying well pff, i want 200 dollars for my snake if you're gonna if the americans or the the germans or the or the canadians are going to sell it for 250 us dollars i'm going to sell it for 250 us dollars not comprehending that that trickle effect or that that market value pricing right so now the wholesalers or the importers they're going to say I can't buy that for 250 or 200. I can't. I can't sell it. No one's going to buy it. I have, I'm going to have to sell it for 600 or 500 or whatever the, the markup is. So now you have nobody bringing them in. And now you're going back to the specialist who has them, the very niche breeder who's, who's breeding a select group of animals. And now he or she can really set a captive market price, in which case it's probably going to be heavily inflated because commodity supply and demand yeah but i mean if you're you're especially for something that's that's very narrow in in number of people working with them like jance and i good example i think i know one person that's produced jance and i and that's um daniel at daniel snakes i would fully expect those babies to be damn near a grand a piece knowing what i know about jance and i and with mine it's like yeah i could go find one at any of the importers and buy an adult for $600, $500, whatever, and know that it's going to be a struggle and know that I'm going to have a hard time getting it established, likely, especially an adult. Or, you know, you pay a premium for, for it's same with chondros. Like, you're, you're not paying all that money for the snake necessarily. You're paying for the work that went into making sure that animal is 100% rock solid. You're not going to have any issues with it. Right, but but even that, I mean. Yeah, that, go on, Casey. Kind of like what Phil was saying, but the import stuff. I mean, the days of you being able to buy a wholesale lot of baby green tree pythons for 50 to 75 bucks a piece, that's never oh, coming yeah, back. Yeah. You know, been- Billy and I talked about that before COVID stuff happened. We we're like, oh man, when it's coming up, we need to get a group of ARUs and just, you know, we'll throw the money in and we'll raise up whatever. If something dies, it dies, which it sucks for imports being the reality of that. But we, we really talked hard about that, buying like a group of 25 and splitting them between us. And just seeing like what we could raise to adulthood and building a group based off that. But we missed that boat. And that's, you know, the days of $75 baby chondros just is never going to happen again. Yeah. And- uh, dude, I went through that with with IJ. Like I had mm-hmm. a friend who was bringing in a shipment and there was going to be like 15 wild caught IJs straight up wild caught all under all under like three, two and a half foot. And they were supposed to be 75 bucks each. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'll take them all. And all of a sudden he gets the email saying, Hey, we're ready to ship. Freight's gonna be this much, everything else is gonna be this much. And when you add it all together, you're like, No, that's not $75 a snake. That's $275 a snake. And granted, mm-hmm. that's still cheap for an, an amazing animal, but when you're buying 20 of them, the shit adds up real quick. So clearly I did not go with that project because we couldn't afford it. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's just not logical. So. And then, I don't know, it's so hard where, um, at the end of the day, the market's not real. 
Like it's yeah. the set yeah. price. Like there is no, uh, it's not like housing where you can have like a professional appraiser come in and say, Hey, this is what it's worth. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe with people getting more market savvy, I mean, I'm talking to Kabilka about some of his projects and stuff like that. It's kind of amazing for him to hear where he, instead of talking about, instead of thinking about like biology, the way some old school snake guys, he's thinking more of influencing marketing and stuff like that. And you very quickly realize that maybe a lot of these like price crash stuff that we've seen traditionally has just been the fact reptile guys don't really understand business or economics like we think we do. Because mm-hmm. you look at like the most expensive import snakes, Bolin's pythons would be like middle to low end range of the high end birds. Right. 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 Like the bird hobby, it, it's insane compared to the reptile hobby as far as what prices are light, light years ahead of us light in years. all aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like a $10,000 import Bolin's Python is ridiculous to us. And I will still stand by the fact that's ridiculous. Right. But that's chump change compared to, uh, like some 50, of the Indonesian cockatoos, eighty thousand dollar bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to mention that the the same money that's that's going to and fro in the bird community, their husbandry and their science is light years ahead of us in terms of mapping genomes and tracing lineage and just uh, all, all of it, man. And just they don't they're not running they're not writing you know Punnett squares on a cocktail napkin like a lot of herpers are. You know they have legitimate scientists mapping out entire dna strands of these birds to see what's going to do what in terms of pairing and, and lineages it's honestly it's almost as good if not better than the whole horse the horse industry you know these crazy mm-hmm. crazy arabian horses that go for you know 2.6 million and we actually that's kind of a fun way to put uh bring in this next conversation we talked a lot to um sean christensen and uh ben morrill about the genetics projects they're doing and that some of the problems they're having which, trust me, that's going to go away the second they roll this thing out. Um, you've got people who are like, I don't trust your science with this. I don't trust the genetic testing. I don't trust your DNA sexing because it's just so new. Like, I don't see how you can trust it. And it's like, you realize bird people have been doing this since like the 90s and it's just now hitting the reptile world. You know, you realize yeah. like horse people have known where certain genes are for for decades, like 40 years. No, or longer you know, dude there's there's some longer Euro- european and like and like european and arabian peninsula line bred horses that go back 300 years you know they have the they have the old books from the 1600s of these horse mm-hmm. lines and like written in sanskrit and arabic you know yeah no 100 percent. so i was looking at the uh you know with, with what they're doing they there is a new program clutch that like just uh, got rolled out and to the reptile people, it's like, Oh my God, this is so advanced. You know, we can track um, pairings and all the future possible offspring and family trees and the ball Python stuff, which, you know, it, first of all, it's just coming into the ball Python now because that's where all the money is in the reptile world, but it's going to be for green trees and carpets and uh, North American colubrid stuff, you know, in two years. But you know, these, what we would consider to be like cutting edge advanced technologies, it's, it's 20 years behind what the bird guys and especially livestock people are doing. I mean, we've known the exact location of like 40 different forms of albinism in cattle for like 
since like 2002 or something like like way yeah. early yeah. on. Yeah. But that's that's some of that I assume is more out it's of just money than anything else because you know we have to make sure that the animals were raising to eat are healthy. You know? Yeah, but it's like I said, it's it's literally money. It's all about the money. You know what I mean? It's money, but it's also yeah. like we're just now like we're almost like an uncontacted tribe that like just figured out how to like make uh, metal arrowheads. And there's guys that are like you know putting satellites up in space now, and we yeah, think predator, we're predator. we think we're so, yeah exactly we think we're so advanced because we have uh, we've gone into the Iron Age, but there's there's people making silicon spaceships. Yeah, yeah. We're the ones shooting the bronze-tipped arrows at the biplane flying over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so earlier, Criminal Cressies asked, how do you combat low prices people are flooding the market with? And that, I always it just always kind of makes me giggle, because when I was dealing with Cresteds, um, you know, you'd hear in the groups and stuff, people would be like, oh, you shouldn't breed because the market's flooded right now. And it's like, but it's not flooded enough for you to keep breeding. It ain't stopping you from breeding, but you're going to tell everyone else the market's flooded. You shouldn't breed. And I always, I never had an issue selling Cresteds at all. So I think depending on the species you're in that, I don't think that's even necessarily a concern. I think um, if the market were, were that bad, no one would be breeding anything. You wouldn't see people breeding ball pythons. You wouldn't see people breeding corns. You wouldn't see people breeding Cresteds. Yeah, I don't... I almost want to say that's not really a thing. You know, I do think you could probably produce... I mean, I don't know. If you produce 30 clutches of normal ball pythons, you probably have a really hard time moving them. But I also see some of the market crashing happening way more in things that are expensive and it's just that's new yeah the latest if, if something's new like okay Boland's pythons are ten thousand dollars which i have a lot of problems with but if all of a sudden 15 guys got clutches of 15 babies that's not a sustainable price at all mm-hmm. it's just not and uh you know the price would probably go down to like 2500 real quick but it's yeah. a it's a supply and demand thing. Well, but I say that, no and emerald I mean, basins probably get produced on a much regular on a pretty regular, you know, group, and they're still seven thousand dollars for an so emerald basin. I think are a little different, just because there's so much there's there's a lot more involved in that. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, things like like the 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 markets that are already you know flooded. Um, yeah, you, know, you talk to you talk to people that breed balls and. Cause I always thought something similar where it's like, how do people even sell ball pythons anymore? Like there's so many people breeding them. Same with Cresteds. There's mm-hmm. so many people breeding them. There's so many people doing stuff with them. You would think at some point they would run out of people to sell stuff to, but you ask the ball Python people that are doing, they're like, I know like everything's flying. Yeah, I couldn't produce enough. Yeah. And especially now where it is getting easier, especially with things like Crested geckos, which as far as I know, are not a side species. You know, you don't just have the American market if it, you have something that's non-CITES. And if it's a common CITES species like ball pythons, it's not that hard to get them across national borders. And that just opens up your market even more. Yeah. You know, like I know uh, Chris has talked about how a lot of his uh, baby crested geckos went to went to Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just and, I, you know. I don't the whole flooded market thing, especially with species that are like the most popular species 
of all time. It's like I don't think you can truly flood flood that market. Like it's the popularity is is way bigger than maybe we can we think it is. Like we can fathom. It's I. Oh, I feel like you had something important to say. Phil, Phil froze. I do feel like though that there are. Okay, there are some exceptions that prove the rule as far as market, which I will still stand by the fact that any price tag in the reptile world is fake with no basis in reality other than just what people want to pay. You know, there's no there's no such thing as something overpriced or underpriced. It's just not a real thing. But there are definitely a small pocket of species where they don't follow the general trends of the other groups, right? I think things can totally Black be... Black-headed pythons don't... Uh, uh, basins don't. Uh, a couple of the large species of uh, monitor lizards don't. You know, you got a few species like that that just they kind of just have a stable high price. But I mean, I think some of the mid-level stuff you maybe could flood the market too much because not enough people have heard about it. Like, it might be possible to produce too many. Um, Will be a good example. It it may be possible Fair to tracks. produce. Yeah, it may be possible to produce too many bear rats. It may be possible uh, to produce too many uh, 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 Russian burgerite tree boas. It may be possible to produce too many walnut pythons. I don't know. You know, maybe it's possible to produce too many brettles pythons, where you just have, you know, not enough people have heard about them, and they're not quite on the mainstream full popularity. Where, you know, that's a big problem with selling Morelia pet at a uh, reptile expos is most of the people who come look at your table have never heard of it. And they're like, okay, well, let me research this before I impulse buy, which is a good thing, in my opinion. <laughs> you <know>. Thorn scrubs. <laughs> yeah, you can produce too many thorn scrubs. But, I mean, I, I, I don't I know. I don't know if you can produce too many of uh, really common staple species. And you probably can't choose pr produce too many basins to justify the five thousand dollar plus price tag, but if that ever stopped, I mean, there's going to be people who would buy a basin for a thousand dollars. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I That's just you have a few species that just. Uh, and if anyone figures out Bolins, they'll probably end up being like that too. Bolins will probably always have a very high price tag, even if they were produced on the level of, say, basins or. You know, species like that that's produced by a handful of guys every year, but not by everyone. Yeah. I think things can be overpriced. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I mean, if I if you go and put a brettles up if I put a brettles up for a thousand dollars, that's not something crazy. It's, like, it's clearly it's not gonna happen. Unlikely to sell at that price. So it's like it does sort of uh the you know the market is usually a pretty good indicator in terms of what things should and shouldn't be like that range right really and the market does kind of have a clear a clearer uh, ceiling mm -hmm. you know definitely like i'm not going to try to put it normal brettles up for 1500 it's just there's right. it's just never going to happen you know i, I wish it would that'd be awesome you know i'd <laughs> make a good bit more money if that happened but uh it's just it's just not going to happen mm mhm but I don't think it's crazy to say like some people will sell them for 50 and some people will sell them for 400 because that's been happening for years. And yeah. I can't really explain why that is, why some guys think that they should put them up for 400 or some guys think they should put them up for 50, but both of them sell. So what does that mean? I don't know. 
See, there's something to be said though for for the opposite end of that, where if I saw a Brettles for fifty bucks, I would be raising an eyebrow. Like, what's? I agree too. Like, yeah. What's up with that? You can definitely produce like, something so be... low that you're like, "What disease are you going to give me if I buy these?" I would be doing some some second guessing on that. You know. Um, yeah, hundred percent. You need to be good at marketing and sales too, though, which is also true. I don't know. I, I, I not that I, I, I do it on purpose, but like Bairds, I think are a good example. Like I've talked about them enough to where I've had people message me about them asking. You know, I would didn't do that going. Oh, if I talk about these enough, people want to buy them, and I'll have I'll have a ton of them to sell. And it's like, no, you know, they're cool. That's it's whatever. Um, the amount of work contributes to the price with some of those species. Absolutely. Okatee corns, SMR, Abbott pricing versus everyone else. That's, that's another good one. That's a prime example of that. Actually, you know, stuff that Lee so, Abbott produces, his prices are higher than people that are selling the exact same thing. Three tables over. Like part of that is, is Lee Abbott, like lay up some of his selective breeding. And then I will also say in the reptile world, we, we talk a lot about advertising but I will stand by, and I just I just thought of this. I will stand by the most important part of advertising in the reptile world is the quality of the picture you use. Where I mean, you got to get a good camera, and yeah. I've been guilty of putting up some pretty crappy pictures and not selling. And then I'll turn around and then you know get my real camera out and get some real lighting on it and take a much better picture. And I'm still learning the photography of different species because. You know, a yellow ball python needs a different background than like a, a growing baby hypobrettles. We'll need, and then that will need a different picture or need a different lighting than a rainbow boa because of how iridescent they are. So, um, See, I think a lot of <laughs> it's super easy with those because they don't move. But like trying to get pictures of of baby corns and stuff mm -hmm. is fucking impossible unless you literally like have your camera ready on your phone and you have good lighting. And you, you lift take, like, the hide, pictures in a low, in a yep, and then put it back before they take off. Like that, that happens every time. Like taking pictures of colubers and even the brettles that I had, dude. Taking pictures of those and getting them to sit still long enough. For They'll me to sit get still for a second, and then they won't. <laughs> yeah. Try photographing something that's fossorial. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In substrate. <laughs> so I that's that's say, a big part of it too. Is if you're Lisa not if you can't take too. good pictures, it's very very hard for you to sell stuff. Lisa yeah. said she just In bought her first actual camera, and I like I for me, I avoided learning manual mode for the longest time. But if you can like tackle that first, and once you do that, you'll know exactly where everything needs to be, and it's actually you'll get better results than if you do like auto or, um, you know any of the other other modes. So don't and avoid check manual. to see don't if it looks good on your phone and on your laptop. And that's a big thing I learned, too, because I've got some pictures that when it's this big on my phone, I'm like, oh, this picture looks great. And then I'll go on my laptop and like, oh, no, this picture looks completely out of like, focus. Yeah, yeah, it's completely out of focus and it's grainy. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not talking like I'm an expert photographer as far as like putting up reptiles for sale, because this is something I've thought about a lot where I I've got a lot of room to grow in it. I, I, I just do. Mm -hmm. But I, I really do believe that uh, taking very high quality pictures of the stuff you have for sale in good light and when it's fired up the right way to do it because that's we get the yeah it is interpretation of colors and pattern and stuff like i don't i don't care what anybody says you can have the nicest 
lights for photography and all this other stuff that you want, but natural light cannot be beat. It's always the best. Oh, I believe it. She said, one look at the camera and the white lips go ballistic. The lens freaks them out. Yeah, The ring pythons were the exact same way. Because <laughs> they're possessed by the same demons. They're possessed by the same demons and they're iridescent. So you may take like a really good picture where it's in focus and you're like, mm -hmm. but the back half is so shiny you can't see anything. That sucks. Yeah, and a lot of it with manual mode too was like just getting a good handle on like aperture and your white balance and stuff like that. Um. Like ISO and stuff does matter, but in terms of I think what we're doing, I didn't find ISO to really matter as much because typically mm -hmm. if you just you have it set at you know like a, a normal like mid range, nothing too low, nothing too high, it's pretty much exactly where you where you needed it to be. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I find my phone does the job. It's, and you know, it depends. It's well I I found with a couple of the ball python stuff i've taken pictures of my phone takes infinitely better pictures than my like real i mean i don't have an expensive camera i've got like a four or five hundred dollar camera but some stuff the camera takes better pictures of some stuff the phone takes better pictures of and you kind of got to be able to figure that out and i just like it for the convenience because i just upload those pictures to a folder in my google drive that's mm -hmm. like stuff i have for sale I have I take a like a index card and I cut it up into like small little like one inch by half inch pieces of paper and write the information of that animal, put it next to the animal, take that picture that way I know who's who, and then just upload it that way. Yeah, and I've I've done similar things with just you can uh, on your phone just upload directly to Morph Market, and yeah, you I do, do want to have this. an Android app. They have an Android app now, like a legitimate. They do, app. they do. I've, I've looked at downloading awesome. it. It's yeah. Great. Okay. How do you feel about editing pictures? Because I think there's a very, very fine line between editing pictures to reflect reality and lying. You know, because yeah. I've seen a lot of readers where uh, they take a picture with a really good flash and they pretty clearly mess around a little bit with the uh, the settings too much, and the snake you receive is not the snake that you saw in the picture. I think I... it can all be circumvented if you have your settings right to begin with. Well, let me put it this way. If someone doesn't have a DSLR and they're using their phone, you can use a simple photo editing app. Now, if the saturation's off yeah. the charts and, like, the person is, you know, Caucasian, their hands are red, yeah. well, then you know something's funky. But I, what I like to do is I will I – don't, I don't like saying editing. I mean, it is yeah. editing, but I will – I mean, you have to crop your pictures. Like, well, not it, even that, but – It's, it's a requirement it. as far as I'm concerned. Sure, but – I'll tweak a photo a little bit to reflect what the animal actually looks like. And I, I do will, too. Yeah. I will do my damnedest to do it while I'm looking at the animal. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not like in the other room trying to remember, Oh, did it, was it that red or was it a little, little yeah, more? But orange? it looks a little bit better when I make it a little bit more red. Yeah. But that's, you know, you, you gotta be, you gotta be an upstanding person and not do that. You know, you do. And it is kind of funny though, where you look at the, uh, the wildlife photographers who specialize in reptiles they are so guilty of like just exploding the color on and the color and the saturation and uh, you know, affecting the shadows and stuff like that. Like I've seen pictures of people taking uh, showing like wild corn snakes. I'm like, there's no way that corn snake actually looked like that. It's a beautiful picture, but that corn snake doesn't look like that. Yeah. And then let's not, even but then that's, that's different. Stacking. That's the difference between art and advertising, you know, sure. those, they're artists. So I feel like that's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, 
if you're photo stacking a picture of a snake on a branch and you want to photo stack so you can get the Milky Way in the background, sure, mm-hmm. that's art. Yeah, but you're making art. That's fine. There's there's no way in hell that you physically could have taken taken a picture of the snake in lighting and still seen the stars in the background. Like it's physically impossible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I I just I I also when posting stuff for sale online, my biggest thing, and this comes from my own my own non reptile business, I want to do everything in my power to not give the customer a reason to contact me. Yeah. Does that I agree with that 100%. You know, I want every single identifying mark. If they say, is that a scratch? Is that a scar? Is that a scab? If I see that with my naked eye, I'm getting a picture of it, even if it's blurry. You know what I mean? Because I want people to see, hey, this is what you're getting. This no is surprises. what it is. No surprises. I don't I don't want someone to, to message me and say, hey, um, the the face is only showing the left side. Can you get a picture of the right side? Well, they shouldn't have to ask me that. I should have posted a picture of the front, the the, the front, the back, the left, the right, the up, the down, whatever. You know, cover but all some your of that bases. Too is... No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, no, no I'm saying co- cover all your bases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that also depends on how experienced the customer is, too, where I have noticed that the customers who is their first time spending like over $400 on an animal, they're always going to want a lot of information. And that's fine. You know, it's it's scary the first time you jump sure. in like that. Sure. It's terrifying. Absolutely. So I've even gone as far as like, I say, are you sure it's not kinked to uh uh, show a video of it moving, you know. Yeah, you know, I'll say I'll take yeah. a video to prove to you this thing is capable of moving without having neuro, without having kinks. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with doing that. I think yeah. there and, is a there's a lot there's a line though. Like it does get to a point where it's like, look, I've given you everything you need. You have your pictures. You have your video. Like I'm not. I can't. Like I have no issues. I did it today. Someone messaged me about some of the corns I have on Morph Market. And they were like, can you send me some more pictures? And I was like, absolutely. And they were like, can you send me pictures of the other two you have for sale? And I said, absolutely. I took like four pictures of each snake and sent them like right there on the spot when I got home from work. Um, Like, that's fine. But it's it's sort of the back and forth of like, well, let me get a picture of, you know, the chin from the left side on, you know, these two animals and let me see the back of the tail on the third one and like yeah there is there is a a a line like yeah and i mean i'm i'm a little different than a lot of people where i'm more comfortable with online sales than i am like doing uh show sales sure um and i'm okay with I, I don't know. I seem to have a lot more tolerance for like bending over backwards for people and then having them just say no or ghost me later on. I don't know. Like just something about uh, hearing what other people's experience with online sales are. I'm just like, well, I don't know. You, you got to dance for your dinner sometimes. It has, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I honestly, I have yet to really experience any of that. I've had people ghost me and I know I've said it on, on other shows before. Like, when someone messages me about an animal, I fully go into it expecting them to not buy. Yes, that's what you have to do. And it's and... Like you're, you're selling stuff. Like this is this is the dance. Like you have yeah. to you have to do it to a degree. Like whether like what that degree is, that's up to you. But expect it. Expect people to message you. I had someone who wanted to buy like two of the Bairds, the low mountain Bairds, and I was like, cool. You want both of them? Never heard back from them again. 
they were yeah. interested they wanted them and i said okay you want you to like you want both of them disappeared so whatever yeah. i expect it so it's like i don't get upset about it it is what it is yeah and then i feel bad too because i've been on the other side of that in fact uh I feel bad because David Camino, David Camino messaged me, hey, you want to buy some Western Blackheads? And I looked at it during the show, and I never responded. So I need to, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry. I will respond <laughs> to you tonight because I kind of just remembered it. Um, but, I mean, especially when I was first starting out with all this stuff, like I was a pretty pain-in-the-ass customer. Like I wanted a lot of pictures. I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to have a lot of information. I outgrew it because I kind of realized how annoying that was, but, like, I can look back at like 18, 19 year old Casey being like, you wouldn't have been the worst customer, but you would have been an annoying one, you know? And I just got to <laughs> accept you, that. Like you also can't it, expect someone to just outright buy something sight unseen, you know? Yes. Sure. Sure. And you know, it's funny you brought up the blackheads. Uh, I recently, um, uh, Oh my God. Now I can't remember the name. Uh, what is it? IQ exotic in Tampa. Did I said that right. No, he's up in ish? New York. No, not ish. Not ish. Um, damn. Now I can't remember. Hey, somebody posted posted a snake and that I had not seen in a very, very long time. And I inquired as to the locality and the price. And they replied with a photograph that I didn't even ask for. And uh, no price and the locality. And I said, hey, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate you showing me this, blah, 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 blah. And um, I felt bad, but at the same time, I reminded myself, no, I didn't just ghost them. I didn't give them a, yeah. a, a three, a three, a three word sentence. You know what I mean? And Joyzy. <laughs> and uh, I realized that, no, I did it right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I made a conversation. I, I told them, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Hey, I appreciate you letting me know. Not for me. And just let it go. And so. there's this, there's this weird thing now where if you ask about something and it ends up not being what you're wanting or what you thought it was like you can't just say okay thanks like instead it has to be oh my car has troubles oh let me talk yeah. to my spouse it's like i mean you wouldn't just walk into like an auto dealership looking to buy a car and because you didn't see one you like, be like, well, I have to buy one because I'm here and the sales guys is here, or I have to give them some sort of excuse, take a fake phone call, whatever. Like, I do that. Like, I asked about yeah. something. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. And you I do know, feel like there is a certain point in, I mean, now we're kind of getting into all online sales and in a lot of ways, online dating. You know, it, very early on, it's, it's kind of okay, just they are the same. It's very okay just to kind of disappear after a short conversation, but you know, if you're somebody who's like, okay, I need you to send videos. Yes. Yes. Because I've made a point to not message people unless I have the money. 100%. But, see, there's a caveat to that, too, because if they don't post the price, or they don't post any other information, how am I supposed to just know? Yeah. But no, what I'm trying to say is, you've got like one of those customers who's like, hey, I need to see a video of this animal moving. I need to see what his parents look Next like. Your like your driver's license. Yes, there comes a point, and kind of goes back to online dating too, where like you're not allowed to just ghost anymore. Like I, you got to be like, hey, look, I'm not interested. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Like that kind of stuff. You know, there's especially with some of those customers who will try to come back like eight months later, and I'm like, 
we're not doing this again. You know, I'm not going to send you videos of this other thing because you've already done this to me once. Yeah. And I think that's that you're fully within your right to do that. I don't see an issue with that. If someone did that to me, like if this person came back and wanted to buy bears from me, I'd be like, I'd be a little hesitant. Be like, I won't like completely blow them off or anything like that, but I'd still be like "Mm, apprehensive. I'd be apprehensive. Yeah. So now just to chime in on all of this. So I'm going to give two parts to this, if I may. So I'm into numismatics coins, right? Guy posts a coin online. Looks great. He puts the price on there because Instagram doesn't care because it's not alive. You can sell whatever you want as long as it's not alive. So I message him and I'm like, hey, man, I'm really interested in this. What's the catch? Why is it so cheap? And that guy, I was really honest, and that guy took the 60 seconds out of his life to send me a video of his hand holding the coin. And he says on there, he goes, hey, Phil, thanks for reaching out. This is the coin. I'm into it really right. And I've got five of them. So I figured I'll make somebody I'll I'll let somebody else get into it really right. And I was like, dude, that's fantastic. And I didn't message him if unless I had the money, I had the money. So I said, dude, thank you so much for the video. I love how you personalized it, saying my name and everything. I'll buy it. You know, here's the PayPal. And we did it. It was was great. Um, That's a great interaction between two complete strangers. You know what I mean? Now, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to do that for every single snake that you're inquiring about. But again, I wouldn't have inquired about the coin. customer experience. Exactly. I wouldn't have inquired about the coin if I didn't have the money in the bank account to buy it. Right. And at the same time, I did my homework and I knew what the going rate should have been. So let's say the coin's worth 100 bucks and he wants to sell it for 75. Fantastic. Even if he wanted to sell for 100, I could have said yes or no based on that. But if I know it's supposed to be around 100 bucks and he says, oh, it's 200. Hey, man, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Or, hey, that's that's I don't even like saying stuff like people are like, oh, that's too expensive. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. No, it's it, there's no class in that. There's no couth. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, hey, man, uh, not for me, but I appreciate, you know, you getting back to me. So I went on my Instagram and uh, it was um, it was Ivory Exotics. Forgive me. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. So they posted a Telescopus Ferriagatas and I've been looking for Telescopus Ferriagatas, but they said it in their in their little description. They didn't post a picture of the snake. So I wrote. Hello, I saw you recently got Telescopus in. Good day. Uh, I was curious if you knew the locality and what the price was. Thanks. They immediately replied with, Telescopus variegatus, we know this, from Ghana. Sorry for the terrible pick. I only took a quick one before a little soak. And then they sent a picture of the snake soaking in, in, in water, which, cool. And uh, I basically reply with, very cool. I appreciate the reply. It's not the one I'm looking for. You know, I didn't even ask the price because... A, it's not the one I'm looking for. And B, I had already asked once. So clearly, they would have given the price if they wanted the price released. And now you're playing that dancing dating game that Casey was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, obviously, if I was like, oh, my God, I love it. I'll take it. How much is it? Whatever. Then that's a whole other story. But you can't be upset. I can't be upset that they didn't post the price because that's their way of, you know, dipping their toe in to see how serious I am. And we wound up having a a nice conversation back and forth and everything was cordial, but it goes back to seller etiquette and buyer etiquette. You're not, you shouldn't, in my opinion, you should not inquire about an animal in any regard, unless you're prepared to purchase it. And whether that be, you know, at that time or monetarily or mentally, whatever. And 
are you prepared for it to not be the conversation you were looking for? Does that make sense? See, that's hard, though, because when you're, especially when you're dealing with a species like that, that no one's really doing much with, where there isn't, it's kind of hard to get a baseline for what that price probably should be. I know, I know exactly. Well, here's the thing it's not the one I wanted. So I didn't inquire about the price. But at the same time, I know exactly what that thing costs because I did my homework. So kudos to them. The animal looks great. Anybody who's looking for a telescope is very goddess from Ghana, which is a very, very rare locality. They have not been in the country in like a decade. Reach out to Ivory Exotics. Check them out. Great, great people. Great animals doing awesome stuff. Um, But again, not to sound cocky, I did my homework and therefore I took that step to do it. I wasn't just like, wow, I've never heard of that. How much is it? What does it eat? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do feel like you could. So, you know, going, going over to Brettles, if somebody did message sure. me like, hey, I don't think I'm interested in a Brettles. Can you tell me more about them? I think that'd be a very different conversation. Like, I would be okay if I posted up a Brettles for sale and someone said, can you tell me about these? I don't think I'm interested in them. I've never heard of them before. You know, can you like give me a little bit of your time? Like, I feel like that's well, different. I had person. that happen with Dion's. Mm-hmm. When I posted Dion's, people were like, I've never heard of that. What is it? And I'm like, there are these awesome little colubrids from, like, the entire continent of Eurasia. <laughs> and they're they're stupid easy to keep, and they're cool. Like, okay, cool. Thanks. You're muted. No, you're, you're muted. Sorry about that. What what Casey, what I would do in Casey's stance is, let's say somebody reached out to me. I was selling brettles, right? Now, I don't have a website. I just have a morph market per se, right? Now, Casey, does does Canify Reptiles have a piece on the page about brettles or no? So I did that write up for the magazine way back when. Right. So right, right. I okay, do. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I do go so back and link could, that and say, here you go. Here's exactly. everything I've ever written about these guys. That, I've got one or two things that I would change now that I've got a little more experience, but this this will get you. Yeah, and and I think you taking the tw- the eighty seconds out of your life to write that person back and say, Hey, um, that's a, I appreciate you reaching out. That's a lot to talk about in text. I wrote this article a few years back. Here's the website link. Check it out. Let me know if you have any other questions. I appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out to me. And And I do that that. pretty often, actually. Like, and and that's the way to do it, man. I do the same thing with the YouTube videos for Condro stuff because you get a lot of you get asked a lot of the same questions, and so I made videos, and it's like, you know, like, look, we can spend three hours texting, or I can give you this info dump that's going to tell you everything. Watch more, and then if you have any more questions, come back. Yeah, yeah. I have a I had a friend who was doing a uh, a television thing for science, and they wanted a brief. I'm going to say synopsis on King Cobras for like literally 15 second, you know, Nat Geo spot thing. They never did it. They never used it. But the guy never thanked me. And I wrote out like a solid four or five paragraphs. And I was like a little butthurt, to be honest. I was Thanks a little for the King Cobra article. Right. So <laughs> and it was very basic. I mean, you could, he could have Googled it and got it. But I mean, those Nat Geo guys are so busy and whatever. But it was just one of those things where I have to you you we have to gauge the amount of interaction per the initiation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, and like Lisa says, 
you know, what do you feel about payments and deposits? Uh, she said, I decided I won't do them anymore unless you are someone I already know and trust. That's how I do it. That's I love payment plans. It. I'll I'll be the different okay. person here. I absolutely love payment plans. I am very open about it, and I will let people do payment plans for way longer than most other breeders are willing to do it for. Right. But how many people are you doing that with? Uh, well, none right now, but like in the past, it was kind of cool where like every week on Friday, like my bank account would start lighting up with, you know, 50 bucks from here, 50 bucks from here, 100, 200 bucks from here. Like it was kind of sweet. Again, how many like, repeat customers? That I had one or two people though where doing that, but for the most part, if I don't know you, like if you're just Johnny off the street, like nah. Yeah, but here's here's the thing though. How many of those people were you doing it with, Casey? Four, five, ten? Several. I mean, like twelve, fifteen. Okay. See at a time at a time. I really did it with a lot of more, people. Yeah, like I, like I'm not a bookie, man. That's more than I'm willing to like I can't I can't do that. I can't be that guy who, yeah, who keeps I don't track yeah. keep and I get that I'm kind of a yeah. different case with that. Sure. sure. Um but then I, I've only had like five or six people in the entire time I've done that who what I usually do is like you just disappear for a while. I'll I'll reach out like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, and you know I will offer a full <laughs> refund. I know a lot of people don't do that. I think um, one of those one of them was me. <laughs> one of them was, was Jeff I, too. Wasn't one of I them was you Jeff from Pound like Nine freaking months or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and eventually you just got to be like, hey, here here's your money back. It's fine. Well, it was one of those these cases, like whatever, whatever. Wait, you, you give their money back? I do. See, yeah. Mm. Oh no. Yeah. I know no, a lot no, of people don't do that, but. With mm. with my stuff, it's always been like, look, we agreed in the very beginning that you were going to exchange your money for one of my animals. And if something falls apart in any way, I, I will still refund it. And I know a lot of people don't do that, but that's that's something I've always it just seems like the right thing to do for me personally. You know, I get it. I get it. I and mean, see, my conscience is clear when I tell them, hey, this is a non-refundable first deposit. It's yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if you're and if you're gonna take really? and if you're gonna take six months to pay me, which I would personally never do, and the thing croaks because it it did whatever animals I don't know that first deposit that's gone, man. You waited six months. You see what I'm saying? And again, that comes back on me see, and husbandry that and whatever. Doubles else. up on me. Like I, if I had something die, I absolutely wouldn't do that because I would I would put that as something that's my fault. Right. And and don't get me wrong. And I've it had turns it into a mess. It just turns it into yeah, a mess. And, and I'm fully aware. I just first place. maybe had, I'm more willing to like I'm more willing to take a hit for myself personally on that stuff. I I know it's not it it's just for me, that's what seems like right for me, you know. Okay, so let me put it this way. You're now see now we're getting to that whole morals and ethics, right? And I'm not saying my way is the best way. Like you were not a right. bad person if you sure. do a non-defundable deposit. Sure, I'm sure. not saying that at all. And I've bought an animal flat out, and like like Sean was saying, 100% cash in hand, right? And Sean and I think a lot alike in that regard. You know what I mean? I know he doesn't buy an animal unless he's fully in invested. I don't buy an animal unless I'm fully ready to rock and roll, right? And I had an animal that lasted a week and it died, and I called the breeder and I was like, "Hey, man." I don't want my money back. It was in my care. You know, it's a baby. Shit happens. I just want you to know, you know, hey, it, it died. Just in case other people start calling you or you see stuff with your other animals. And, just a heads up. Uh, just a heads up. And he was super kind enough to refund my money in full, which I, I completely appreciate. And I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing. But when it comes down to 
someone taking advantage of I don't want to say taking advantage of kindness because that sounds like a dick move, but like you say, Hey man, it's going to like, let me pay you in three weeks or, or two months. Okay, cool. And now it's six to nine months later and I've only got the first deposit. Like, come on, man, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I understand people do people have things happen in their lives. Their car blows up, their washing machine floods their house. Like I get that communication, transparency, mm-hmm. call me up and say, Hey man, I, I, it may be four or five months before I can pay you. Do you mind hanging on to it? No problem, man. And if that guy called me four or five months later, I was like, dude, life took a turn for the worse. Can I have my money back? No problem. But when I don't hear from you for like six months and dude, you, you lost your, your 10% deposit. Like, come yeah. on, man. Well, and see, and that's the thing too, is like in my terms of service on my morph market stuff, like I, it says like, I don't do deposits. I don't do payment plans. And so this person that had, that had inquired about some of the corn snakes, they're like, I see you don't do deposits, but if I paid in full, like, can you hold it until I'm ready to ship? And, you know, we're waiting on a rack or something, I think is what they were saying. And I was like, that's fine. Yeah, that's totally, that. that's totally different. Totally different. It's a different mindset. And you know, Sean's saying, what if you are, what if you're waiting on eggs deposit wise? I, I would never I would do that. Never I would do never that. do that. Oh, no, no. I will, I will put you on a wait list. Well, I will reach out to you. Do when things well, I don't do Look, a physical I'm, waiting list. If I have people, I'm not reaching out reptiles. I, I don't have a wait list. You know, I don't have that three year wait list. But if but there's eggs ready to hatch, I'd be like, "Look, when things are hatching, I'll reach out to you." Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna make you like pay money for me to tell you that. But I, I, if the animal does not currently exist or is not currently eating in a way that I'm comfortable with, I will never take money for that animal. I just won't. I just too many things can go wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So See, that's what happened to me. Someone backed out after months of me holding it. I refunded the money because I agree with you, Casey, but I felt like I got burned because I lost time and money. And yeah, and that's, that's why I just, I don't mess with any of it. You know, like it's just one of those things. It's like, I, it, it just complicates things more than it, than it really needs to. Like I said, I don't really do waiting lists. People message me about bears and stuff. And I usually, I'm pretty good about remembering who's messaged me and letting them know, just saying, Hey, I got some available. Um, or they'll hit me up again a couple months later, you know, and I'll send them to the morph market and be like, this is what I got. And then, you know, whatever they, whatever they decide to do, you know, cool. But that just, being said though, try to keep it I, simple as possible. I do think I have made a lot more money doing animal stuff because I am gracious with payment plans than I would have if I was somebody who said, Okay, you have two months to pay off this, you know, over it, it. It depends. You know, if it's a $200 animal, I don't think I would do a like four month payment plan. But if it's something that's like 800 bucks, I, I'm willing to do that. And I feel like I've made a lot more money in the animal stuff by allowing that kind of, you know, linked out payment plan than I would have otherwise. But again, that's just what I'm willing to do because I will still say like, 85% of the time that actually works and it works pretty well. And somebody may text every once in a while and say, Hey, I can't do this two weeks. I'll uh, throw in another 50 bucks the next two weeks. And I'm okay with that. It but, goes back to the communication, man. Yeah. But then that there are the that like 15% of times where you do have somebody just like, Hey, I've heard from you in three months. What's going on here? Like, do you need me to refund your money? And that's happened a few times, but it hasn't happened so many times that it's really like hurt me, you know? And I those guys that I've done that for, Sometimes they come back. 
And I feel like they would not have come back at all if I had not done the, uh, I'm going to keep your money because screw you. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm a cold son of a bitch. Like that's not, and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. No, I know. I know you're not saying that, but again, I'm, I'm, I don't want people to think that I'm just, you know, insensitive to that. It is a hundred percent case by case basis, but like in my work, I have people that'll buy something from the store and not show up for a year. And it's like, no man, that shit cost me money now you lost your you lost it i'm sorry you waited a year to pick it up come on so it, it's different with animals but i i try to give people the benefit of the doubt but at the same time it's business you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like if you if you were if you ordered custom cabinets and the guy shows up to deliver them you're and you're not home you're gonna pay another delivery fee you see what i'm getting at does that make yeah. sense yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know, and I will say too, our, like that's where our industries differ. Because if someone gets shirts made, we can do nothing with them once they're printed. So we just kind of have to sit with them until they decide to come and get them. Yeah, but you take we did that in the print shop right? too. We had signs that were in the print shop for like yeah. like a year, like Phil said, yeah. and it's just sitting in the front or it's sitting in the storage. Yeah, but it was paid what, do you, what do you do with them? Right, but it was it was paid in full, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes, oh, no. or sometimes yeah. it's like half paid. Oh, dude, I would never, I, me personally, I would, on something like that, I would never take payment. I would never start making it until payment's in full because of the high probability that I'm going to get stuck with it and not be able to do anything. Well, with the it. weird thing is, is like sometimes it'll be like a, a customer that we get on a regular basis. It mm-hmm. might be once or twice a quarter, whatever. So it's like we haven't had that issue in the past, but like even recently, there's, there's a, there's a restaurant here in town where like they've ordered shirts from us and they just placed another order that's been done and sitting there waiting for them. And I texted the guy and was like, "Hey, your shirts are ready." And then four days later, he texted me back saying, "Oh, I've been, you know, I've been sick because of COVID or whatever, and I'll come get them on Friday." And you know, sure, but we've had a handful where it's like we have to call them and email them and call them again and be like, "Please come get your shirts." Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Justin's right. It's the difference between like a T-shirt or a sign company and you know a a firearm. Yeah. Selling company. Yeah. yeah. And Ish makes a good point. Uh, he says, I'd rather reach out to people who are working with similar projects before a wait list. That's a, that's a great idea too. Is like Justin was saying, he knows people that wanted, you know, Cyania or they wanted Baird Eye and he didn't have an actual list, but he's like, Oh, you know what? Casey wanted Cyania. Phil wanted a Baird Eye. Let me reach out to both of them. And if we pass, we pass. And if we buy, we buy, you know, and those That's, people I'll usually hit up before they even go before they go post, you know, they get posted anywhere. Yeah. Like they yeah. all like they kind of get first first dibs on that stuff because they showed interest, you know, initially. Yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, Ish, you are freaking killing it with Beetlejuice, bro. That snake is incredible. Anybody who hasn't seen that snake needs to go to his page right now. Um, earlier. Michael Gillen said he got reamed for asking for prices on animals just so he knows how much he'd have to save for them a couple, uh, you know, a couple of years ago for blackhead and a diamond. And it's like, I'll bet you're not going to go back and ask, like buy from that person now. Like if I had, if I had someone get on my case, cause I asked for a price on something just so I could have an idea of sort of what I'm looking at. I'm not going to be terribly inclined to go and get and, and deal with them. You know? Yeah. It's like, if you were that unpleasant, just on a simple question, you're probably not going to be that that fun to deal with. Uh, and dude, I've I've asked simple question and got simple response, and I don't care. Like, there's been a time when 
someone didn't uh, obviously didn't allude to a price or whatever. And I'll message them say, Hey, just out of morbid curiosity, how much is this Amy I or whatever? And they just reply with just, this is literally just a reply dollar sign four zero zero. That's it. And you know, what my reply is thanks. That's it. Mm-hmm. Simple, right? I don't have to go overboard. They didn't have to get upset by it, whatever. So another interesting thing that I'm, I want to get your, your thoughts on both of you, because you've both been in that realm as well, but uh, like your thoughts on wholesaling. Yeah, I know Lisa was asking about it earlier. I think wholesaling is great when you are unable to, I don't want to say deal with when you're unable to allocate the time and energy to sell individually, but it's something that you're going to have to acknowledge in terms of taking a percentage loss. Mm-hmm. Be, for, for, you're paying, you're, you're losing money for convenience. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Is Casey frozen? I think Casey's frozen. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, I did it with, I did it with dart frogs. Yeah. You know, with the Vitatus in particular, because A, that's a species that's pretty commonly bred. They're not very expensive. So me going and trying to post them individually doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I'm probably not going to get too many bites on them. And so it was one of those things I, I messaged Triple L and was like, hey, I, you know, you guys are looking for dart frogs. I got all these Vitatus. Gave them a price. They said, sure. I sent them out. I got a check. It was easy. Like, I have zero yeah. issues with wholesaling. Like, I, I sold Billy and uh, Casey both some, some stuff from this year just... You know, they were looking for things to, to put on the table. And I was like, I got some some non-essential personnel, Yeah, you know, and it's like if you can find people that you, you can sort of do that with regularly. Um, I'm I'm all for it. I have no issues. Like if I don't mind taking a cut on that to sell a group of something, you know, it's like, yeah, they, even though they won't buy my thorn scrubs. Those <laughs> yeah, it also it, it's also very much species specific or, or even, you know, genus specific, mm-hmm. because let's say I've got, um, uh, baby monocle cobras. I wholesale baby monocle cobras because it's going to cost a lot of time and money because they have to go air freight. They have to go Delta dash. Mm-hmm. So if I sell two or I sell 20, I could literally go to underground and be like, Hey man, I was going to sell these for a hundred dollars each. I mean, back then that's how much they went for hundred dollars each online and have to deal with all the logistics or I could sell them to you guys for your fi- 50 bucks each. Right. And they're already making daily trips to the airport. They have a shipping department that already has thousands of boxes and cool packs and heat packs and literally teams of individuals designed for logistics. So it's just easier for me because of the venomous stuff to just do that. But at the same time, I've also seen people do it like, like somebody was saying with frogs where indoors is climate control. You know, somebody breeds a bunch of axolotls in December because their house is the optimal conditions. They can't ship those things out. You know, Mm -hmm. we always hear about all of our friends. Oh, I got to wait a month until the weather gets better. You know what I mean? Opposed to just driving to the wholesaler, providing it's local. Or, or meeting a wholesaler to show or shipping one big box that's going to maintain temperature and, and, and thermal dynamics better opposed to sending out a little box here, a little box there, a little box here, a little box there. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. 
So I'm I'm all for the wholesaling thing as long as the seller has an understanding as to the pros and cons. Pawn shop rules. Like Pawn Stars. I can't. (laughs) We're not going to sell the... We're not going to buy this thing for a uh, retail price. We're buying it for like 30% retail price. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily always the case, um, but you have to be prepared for. Yeah. 30% have, might be a little low, but. Yeah. Realistically, if, if I'm factoring in whatever you, whatever you equate the time for be to be the time, the maintenance, like the actual like dirt and moss and paper towels and whatever else. And then feeders, you factor those things in, then you figure out what the animal's worth market wise. You put those things together and then you're taking 40, maybe even 50%. Like uh, Lisa was saying, that's cool. You know what I mean? As long as you're still, I don't want to say making money, but as long as you're still a higher percent, you're not losing your butt by wholesaling them. Then I say, go for it. But that's me. That's personal convenience. You know, I'll tell you right now, there's certain snakes that in my collection that I'm raising up that when the time comes and I do produce, I'm not going to wholesale them mm-hmm. because I'm going to be very selective as to a who I sell them to. And I want to get full top dollar for them because of all the blood, sweat and tears I put into it, you know. So. Like, honestly, Lisa's white lips. Oh, my Lanta. I, if it was me, I would probably not wholesale them. I would probably. No, take, absolutely not. You know, I, I would not, but that's me, you know, and I, I would never like Lisa. I know you're listening to this. We love you, Lisa. I would never judge her for wholesaling. them. You know what I mean? But me personally, that's such a, a niche animal, such a unique animal. I would try and I would try my damnedest to individually sell them. And if I got skunked, well, then, yeah, maybe I'll wholesale it. Who knows? I think it's it's just it's a dual benefit, especially if it's someone, you know, like Clint doing the metazotics thing. You know, I told him sure. at some points, like, if I have extra stuff, I'll come like you'll be one of the first people I come to because like I want to see you guys succeed. I want to help you out. You're helping me out because now I have less to sort of take care of. So, I, you know, same with Casey and Billy, like if they're looking for stuff. Yeah. And I got it. And like I'll be hitting them up, too. You know, it's just. Yeah. But Mike is also I bought some right. uh, wholesale corn spikes off him and uh, now they're at Billy's house. Thorn scrubs will triple in price, I'm sure, in three years. I, I also think that when you wholesale stuff, there is something that you have to be mindful of in your mental psyche kind of thing of it. Because I've seen it where people produced an animal that, let's say, is worth $100 and they sold it to the wholesaler for 50 and then the wholesaler posts it for 250 and they get really upset. You can't get upset. Nope. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. And it, it, even though you want to and you're annoyed and you're frustrated and you're kicking yourself in the in your own shins, you can't get upset. And at the same time, you also can't get upset if you wholesale it and you see that those snakes are let's say it's corn snakes. They're being sold as feeders. I had a friend who put a lot of a lot of energy into a bunch of corn snakes and all those animals got euthanized and frozen because they were bought as feeders. See, and that would be something I need I would need like if that's their purpose and someone wants to buy them 
Like yeah. if you if if someone buys them and they don't tell me that, and then I find out that they're turning you know their feeders, which I'm not against feeders in that manner, sure, like, sure, whatever. But I would like to know that the animals I'm sending you are that's what they're that's what they're going to be. Right, and well, well, this individual was told, "Hey, I'm I'm going to use these as feeders. That's why I'm only giving you you know twelve dollars a corn snake or whatever it was." And my acquaintance was. Oh, all right. Yeah, I get it. And I think in his mind, he was thinking, oh, I'm going to feed this corn snake to a baby king cobra. He didn't realize that they were going to euthanize and frozen. So, yeah, and that's, it it, it's, once, it's something. Once they're out of, in the box and out of your hands, like, yeah. no matter yeah. what, there's nothing you can do about it at that point. You know? Yeah. It's like if, you, if it's that upsetting, you shouldn't have sold them in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. But it, the more, more so on the whole thing of the price being not what you expected. You know, or feeling maybe feeling like you got shammed because but that's also the point of wholesaling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the whole reason that it, it is what it is. It's like you didn't truly expect them to buy for 50 and sell for 45. Like, <laughs> and I mean, I'm considering right now if, uh, if I can't get somebody, so the breeding season's coming up, if I can't get somebody to take my group of blue tongues and I produce babies. I will not be keeping those babies for more than a couple weeks. I'm not going to try to go through the whole process of every single day opening up four cans of dog food and feeding yeah. them and cleaning it up. I'm just, I'm just not going to deal with it. So yeah. I will probably yeah. find somebody. I may hit up Tiki's Geckos or somebody like that and say, like, look, I'm going to have some high end stuff. Here's the, uh, you know, here's the info on them. We Give me those a Japanese cave geckos for them, and we're square. Which honestly, that might not be a bad thing. Finding somebody say, "Hey, I'll take some snake babies," because I don't have to sneak. I don't have to feed snake babies cat food every day. Yeah, yeah. You know, it yeah. might just be. It's for them. It's honestly, I don't think I want to put up with the work that it's going to take to raise up a ton of them. You know, raising up oh, yeah. one litter is not bad, but raising up like three, four litters that that sounds like a nightmare to me. And that Especially you know, when if they I don't was, sell quickly, when I was first selling crests and stuff that was something that was something that i you know had to kind of learn to block out was you know what if the person that is getting or people that are getting these animals don't take care of them the way that i do like yeah that's where that was a kind of a, a tough hurdle like mental hurdle to get over for a while like i wasn't like not selling stuff because of it but it was one of those things where it's like i kind of just you, you don't think about it uh, hey guys, my phone is about to die. Um, I'm probably going to leave in just a second. I'll try to pop back, but it's also kind of late. Sorry, I'm at like I'm at one percent right now, and I don't want to cut out without saying goodbye. No, I'll worries, try to get man. back on. We appreciate you coming on, bro. All right. Yeah, that's it's just something you got to just mentally block out. Yeah. Um, and it's you know I haven't even I'm sure. I have no doubt that the stuff that I've some of the stuff that I've I've sent out is probably not around anymore, you know. Sure. But it's the same thing. Once that thing's out of your hands, once FedEx has it and it's in, you know, out in the ether, then Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. If you, if that's if that's a, if that's hard, then selling stuff may not be the best best option for you. I also think that it it, it can be difficult for it can be difficult for people to 
we're talking about like letting go, right? Like you put all this blood, sweat, and tears into these this this production, this these offspring, right? And you want to make sure they go to the best homes, and you're very selective, and you in your mind you have this. I don't want to say delusions of grandeur, but you have this idea that they're all going to go to a happy home and, you know, a loving, caring rack, you know, <laughs> and it may not, it may not at all. And you can't get mad at that. And you also can't get mad if you, if the person that you sold it to sells it. Yeah. You know, and I've had it where I, I felt bad. I was like, Hey man, uh, I'm, I'm going to, it's different when it's a gift. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't sell a gift, yeah. but I bought stuff off somebody and they're like, Hey man, if you ever want to get rid of it, let me know. Mm -hmm. And like, I call them and I'm like, Hey, I want to get rid of it. And they get like upset. And they're like, dude, well, I, I called you. You wanted me to call yeah. you first, you know, and whether they're not in a financial position to buy it back or they don't have the space or whatever. And then they get upset that I'm selling the animal it doesn't I mean, work I did like that. that i did that with chris like chris sent me the adult thorn scrubs i had them i bred them i got babies yeah and then ryan dumas had, had hit me up about some thorn scrubs and at that point that was kind of when i had sort of become disenchanted with them yeah. and so i messaged chris and i was like hey i'm you know i can either send these back to you uh or i have you know one of my buddies is interested in the adults you know do you care if i sell them and he's like, no, man, go ahead and you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, so when it comes to stuff like that, like I definitely um, check with the person that gave it to me before I just, you know, send it off. But yeah, uh, you know, Patrick brings up a good point. Be like dog breeders and require vetting for every animal you sell. Uh, you kind of do that, I think, by default, because if I have someone message me and I just get a message that just says price. What is it? Yeah. How do I keep that? Right. Right. Like I automatically know that that's that's if it's a green tree python, someone's like, I've never kept snakes. What's that? I want it. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Eh, sorry, like not not happening. But if someone, you know, there's just there's, I think there's there's ways to sort of vet even on like a subconscious level when it comes to that like if someone yeah. messaged me they're like hey i've been reading about green trees for a couple months now i'm really interested in having one i see that you got some for sale like can you tell me anything about the parents like where clearly you can tell they've put in some some effort like a decent amount into actually learning and reading up on what they're wanting they're wanting to purchase and yeah um then that's like that's an entirely different thing but when someone just messaged me they're like price I'm like price is right price of gas price <laughs> of like oil like what you know I, I honestly i don't even respond to those like i'm not usually one to blow people off like that but if you yeah. message me and you can't you can't do it in a full complete sentence yeah <clears throat> i also take, not taking the time i also take the time now to to vet the dialogue of an international person because i get international people that message me all the time like i don't i don't sell geckos like they're just they're mine you know maybe in the future who knows but i get people all the time they're like you have nephris you sell over ocean and it's like clearly you're using google translate and it's not working very well um and i'll usually reply with i do not sell thank you you know because that translates pretty easily no matter where you are yeah 
And other ones, I'm like, I'm not replying. Block. Because it's just so. Not... Okay, Pranks. plugged in. We should be good. Uh, Jason got a really interesting message this weekend from someone from China. And they say, okay, do you ship? And he's like, yeah, if you have an importer and can get the permits, I'll do it. And they're like, oh, well, if you hide in pot, I think you'll be able to do it. Like, literally, like, hey, you need to smuggle these for me. Yeah. And we ended up just messing with them for, like, a solid part of the show and then just blocking them. It was really I funny. A, I had a guy that I, I guess by the name, I thought it was Eastern European. And spoke perfect english wrote in perfect english and he's like hey man uh i know that you work with a lot of wholesalers i'm really interested in some tarantulas you know could you steer me in the right direction or maybe if i give you a list you know i'll pay you to go shopping for me be like my personal tarantula shopper and i was like oh that's you know we could probably work something out you know and i was like where are you located he goes i'm in alice springs and i said (laughs) australia and he says yeah I'm, I'm in Australia. I said, you can't have that. I can't ship you that. I'm not he sending goes, you Salmopius. He says, he says, yeah, man. He says, I just got Gramostola from a guy in Poland. They just ship it. And I'm like, and you got the box? He goes, yeah. They just don't put anything on the box and it gets here. He's like, it takes a little long, but they're bugs. Who cares? I was like, I'm sorry, but we can't have this conversation anymore. We're done here. <laughs> Prank caller, prank caller. Yeah, legit. He's like, he's like, yeah, I got, I got, you know, uh, 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 polkies and I got uh, Brazilian blacks and I got ornamentals and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's great. He goes, yeah, I get from two different guys in Poland and they just, they just ship them. He's like, it costs a little bit. It's like a hundred bucks. Like, go talk first to First of them. all, sir, you do not have a written record of this like you just sent me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. if anyone, yeah, you should not have a record. You yeah. should not have a written record <laughs> online of this at all. Right, right, and that's why I said I was like, we can't have this conversation where we're done here. Thanks, bye. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. See that FWC and Florida Department of Agriculture. I did not ship tarantulas to the land down under. No, I had a customer do that. One of the first times I tried to sell ball pythons, the guy was being. Broken English, uh, I usually don't reply to messages where it's just like, what your lowest price? But for some weird reason, this guy I did reply to and like kind of played ball with him. He well, sent me the money. Gen Z. Yeah, I just assume he's Gen Z. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I usually just ignore Z. stuff like that completely. But wait, he sent me the guy that spent the whole weekend at Daytona saying everything was bussing. I never <laughs> use that word. No, no I did. Uh, oh. uh, Danielle was saying that word, and then I started saying it ironically, and <laughs> I started saying the entire weekend. I was like, "Shut the fuck up, Casey." Damn it's it. a great word. I, th- I thought it was Not. hilarious. Danielle will agree with me. It's a great word. Danielle but probably. anyway, um, yeah, no, the guy's like being a little weird about the stuff, but he sends me the money real quick, and he's like, "Okay, I need you to send it to this address in San Diego." And it is a car lot, like a an enterprise rental car lot on the U.S.-Mexico border, like right on the border. And I'm like, you're not going to try to drive these across the border to Mexico when you get them, are there? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm doing because I need you to re- – I need them to be here at this day at this time. I cannot do it any other time other than this. Like they had to be delivered on this Saturday. So I'm like – oh, you're trying to smuggle these into Mexico. He's like, yes. And I'm like, here's your money back, sir. I I want no part of this. Wow. 
Which wow. I mean, he's it's, probably it's, gotten it's, away with it several times, but it's hilarious how I want no part of that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's Ugh. like walking up to a stranger and be like, "Hey, I got a body in my trunk. Want to see it?" Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Look, what you don't know? But it was it was are? literally like a rental car lot right on the border. Like the border was like not even half a mile away. Wow. See, if he had sent it to a Chili's, no one would have questioned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just a line cook that ordered a snake and he's at work, so he can't pick it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, been like, Jesus. absolutely. I'll send you a free bear just because we're going to a Chili's. Wow. Oh, God. People, man. The people are amazing. They really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Patrick brought up a good point. Uh, you know, undercover people. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, like, sometimes you see ads on Fauna for stuff that you never see for sale on fauna from countries that yes. you never see stuff for sale from and you're like yeah this this is this is a trap yeah but i guarantee yeah. you they probably have people messaging me like hey man what's up with those uh those wild caught basins what's up uh you know what's going on with those well i know for a fact that my fish and wildlife is infamous for having an undercover go into a pet shop to sell contraband or barter contraband and the animals are microchipped and then they do it and then they come in and this is obviously pet shops that aren't around anymore and uh while they're in the pet shop they find more violations and it's just like i, I just don't understand it i just don't understand it Snakes you know? no yeah. okay so uh what's that it was um i want to say it was in the lizard king they were talking about how there was a stupid sting with uh, some Asian buyers going to Mexico and they were saying that they were selling them a gorilla and it was an FWC officer in a gorilla suit pretending to be a gorilla. And that really? was one of the most famous busts was uh, an FWC officer in a gorilla suit trying to become a smuggled gorilla for wildlife smugglers. I See, that's, wow. one of those, that's one of those instances where it's like you wish you were there just to see the look on their face when he took the mask off. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh and he just god. takes it off. You're under arrest, sir. Oh my god. Well, like the one out one of the famous ones by me is an individual had opened up a brand new pet shop and had all the licenses to do everything, venomous, selling, all that stuff. And a father and son come in the pet shop with a coral snake in a bucket. And I, I forgive me if I've told the story on here before. And they're like, hey, man, we found this snake. Uh, is this a coral snake? And the guy's like, yeah, it's a coral. So the owner of the shop is like, yeah, it's a coral snake. You can't possess it. I have a license. I have to take it from you. But you know what? Well, can we sell it to you? No, you can't sell it because you don't have a license to sell. But how about this? If you buy a setup for a milk snake, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a milk snake because you bought the setup. He's like, oh, so we're trading the coral snake for the milk snake? He goes, I mean, if you want to think of it like that. And right there, that was the barter. So the next day, FWC goes in the shop in uniform with a microchip scanner. And they say, hey, man, where's the coral snake? And the guy's like, you got me. Here it is. And pulls out a deli cup. And they wand the friggin' snake. And it's the wrong snake. It's a different coral snake. (laughs) Then come to find out that all of his licenses were photoshopped. He had no licenses registered with the state. And while they're in there, the one cop is walking around the store. He had alligator snapping turtles for sale in the tank, which is a no-no in Florida. 
And the piece de resistance, the, the cherry on top, if you will, is after they gave him his notice to appear in court, uh, those same detectives came back and physically arrested him because he was shipping gopher tortoises to Texas to an undercover Texas DNR person. Yeah. So. Damn. That's the trifecta right there. Just people, man. So that was yep. that, that, that pee pee slap was hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How has the, the ball python selling been going there, Casey? You just hatched uh, well, some. Pretty well. I did just hatch some. I hatched, uh, I hatched a puzzle ball python clutch. That was pretty cool. You put them together so. yet? Figure out what the picture is. Oh no, I uh, I haven't even tried to try to feed them yet. Like they just hatched out their um I put them up into a big container with some wet newspaper or some wet uh, paper towel and just put them back in the incubator so that they could uh you know have their first shed and then I'll take them out and I'll separate them and start trying to feed them. So Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. Um you know, I sold a like a mid-range uh clown female at the show and then I sold a pied female um, that me and Billy had gone in together with, so uh, me and Billy got to figure out the money stuff on that mm-hmm. coming up. But uh, no, it's been it's been pretty good. I haven't fully taken pictures of everything that's coming from Canada yet to put up. I'll probably do that uh, uh, tomorrow and really just like fully get the morph market stuff up and running. But no, it's good. It's good. I just did that yesterday. I went through and posted some beards and thorn scrubs and corns. Took all the pictures. Uploaded them. I was like, this is tedious. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I've been putting it off. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wake up early tomorrow morning, you know, get this thing up before I got to really start doing stuff. And then I just don't. And I I need to because, well, I've, I've got too many snakes and it costs a lot of money to feed snakes. So they need to start going up for sale. Yeah, and that that's... Sort of with the Bairds especially, it was like, I really don't want to sell any of these, but I also don't need eight Loma Altas. And I'm that I'm that way with a couple projects where and I'm I've got some really nice looking hatchling brettles that I'm like, I'd really like to keep these, but do I, why do I need like three more female brettles at this point? Like, wh- why? So yeah, I got a couple things like that that I'm going to need to can I slim down a little bit? Um, we have tried Salmon Nelson before. Um, we, we've got a new guy that we're trying right now that I need to go figure out what his name is. Lance will help with the blue tongues. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like I've got a solid chance of getting like three or four northern litters this year. I I have female easterns, but I don't want to I don't want to jinx myself with the blue tongues and then I really don't want to jinx myself with the westerns. That would be getting getting baby westerns would be incredible, but getting baby Definitely blue tongues at all would be incredible, wood, but I don't want what? Yeah, you start knocking on that wood behind knock, you. Knock on that wood behind you, yeah. boy. Yeah. But Overall, I mean, the idea of getting like three litters of northern blue tongue skinks would be amazing. 
but I'm also like I I I don't want to hold on to him and feed him cat food every day. That's just so I I would love to find somebody to wholesale those off to. I'll do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to like not take care of them. It's just, yeah. If I could find somebody willing to buy them wholesale, I would, I would probably do it. Just keep what I wanted to. I want to, so Elijah day has some of those, those balls that he had for sale at Daytona. And I get very tempted. You really like the freeway stuff, don't you? You I like don't I like those ones. I don't I don't so I I me and him were talking back and forth like last week cuz I was like what exactly is it and he showed me. And then I asked he had like some bamboo stuff. I was like those are pretty cool too. And uh I don't know. A I don't need another thing. But at the same time it's like as much as we don't really trash ball pythons here but we do you know, poke poke a few a few jabs yeah, at their expense. Yeah, it's it's easy. It's easy. It's a low hanging fruit. Yeah. And so it's like if I'm gonna do that, I should probably breed them so I can at least have some context or perspective to be able to truly say one way or the other whether I think they're you know. And I've said this before, here's where I'm at with the ball python thing. You're a snake guy, you're allowed to like snakes. You know, I don't like the mentality of oh the ball pythons, they're they're a trash animal, and I hate them because they're popular. You know, you're if you're a snake guy, and you're like, okay, I don't like moose ball pythons, but I do like the ultramels, and I like the freeways, or whatever it is. If you're a snake guy, you're allowed to like snakes, you know? And yeah, if you really are just like, look, I don't like ball pythons at all, then cool, don't. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up Eli, because, you know, he's got a, uh, I don't want to say a surplus, but he's got a, a, a surplus Longicuda that I'm probably going to want to, I'm going to try to get it off him. I don't like boas. Like I've had a lot of Epicrates. I really love rainbows, but at this point in the game, it's really not for me, but there's something about long tails that I like. And I kind of want to get that one off him to kind of see if it's something I want to pursue. Um, But I still don't like boas. Like this is not my thing, man. You know? So it's just, they're not as easy to make fun of as ball by thuns. (laughs) <laughs> I I tried to get him to take five thorn scrubs for a pair of balls, and he wouldn't do it. I can't blame him. <laughs> One of them's aberrant, man. I'm sure it is. <laughs> aberrant. And here's where I'm at with the ball python thing too. And this is this is after failing on a lot of my. I've got some stuff in my room that's hard to breed, and then I've got some stuff in my room that's mid mid range to breed. And the ghi. I mean, I I I failed on a lot of it. So having, and I've decided this too, if you're going to have a lot of harder to breed species and a lot of mid range to breed species, you need a few easy things in the room just that, you know, that you're not, you know, that you can feel competent on a bad year. You know, I feel like that happens with a lot of the scrub guys where if you get a room full of scrub pythons and you get one clutch one year, and then you go like two years without them, you see a lot of those guys get out really fast just because it's, a, those are really high maintenance animals, and they're kind of scary to work with. And two, it's like you can get really disheartened really fast if you go two, three years in a row without getting the success you think you deserve for the amount of work you put into them. Yeah, you know. So having that. a couple, if you're going to be a, if you're going to specialize in like mid range harder species, I think you would do yourself a service if you have one or two 
you know, knock him out of the park without even trying species. Just yeah. to know that you're competent <clears throat> when you do inevitably sake. fail. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I also, Justin was saying for sanity's sake. Yeah. Yes, for sanity's sake, 100%. Yeah. But I also think it comes down to what your goals are with the animals that you are working with. For example, I just got all these stilettos. I really am fascinated with the species. I want to learn as much as I can about the four that I have. And, you know, talking to Nate, I really would like to try and breed them, but I can't think like that. I need to think mm-hmm. on establishing them, getting them eating on their own. Get the I base, don't the foundation. Yeah. Get the, get the foundation going. You know what I mean? The framework of it. And then once I've had them for X amount of time under my belt and I'm really, you know, I still feel the same way about them. Then I need to think about, okay, do I really want to breed them? Do I want to try? How am I going to document this? Because there's, I want to do this right. And then at the same time, let's say I produce, let's say I go the gauntlet. I do the, the, the full Monty, right? I have to just give those snakes to, to Nate because no one's going to want them, let alone pay for them. You see what I'm saying? So that's, Mm -hmm purely a project out of passion the there is no of, of the yeah, yeah, it, honestly yeah it's, it's it's one of those things where you i'm gonna do it because i really want to for me not because it's gonna help pay my rat bill for the year like it's not mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen so it just i think it comes down to what your goals are and what your goals may evolve into per that species yeah absolutely i'm just saying though if you uh I, I don't know. Let's say you have a room full of uh, Timor pythons and Moluccan scrub pythons, right? Yeah. Species that are very difficult to successfully breed. You, and you try you might, three you years in get, a row. You might get Malucky. Yeah, you might get Malucky. <laughs> That's so stupid, but I love it. <laughs> but no, like, if, if you do go year in, year out, and you're like, uh, she built follicles and she stopped. So, you know, you keep going through that roller coaster of oh i'm gonna do this and i'm not oh i'm gonna do this and i'm sanity's sake you know there's there's not a lot of people who can actually do that year in year out the the people that are investing the time and money in malukans and lesser sundas that's passion you're right and that's absolutely is i'm just saying if you're one of those people i feel like you should have one or two projects that are I can do this with my eyes closed just so you can know, like, I am a competent reptile breeder. These are just hard. Why you know, do you think start... I gave up on chondros? And switched mm-hmm. to you, you didn't give up on chondros. You just took a step back. And while you're waiting for things to grow, you have your other side hustle. Well, high my side broken project. wings heal. Oh, my God. Relax, Icarus. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what's up, right. Scott. Like... The uh, I'm trying to figure out what Scott was saying. If you bag out of a group of snakes, you're sad. People need to grow up. Um, I, I don't I don't understand what he means by that. The I think that if you produce great, awesome morale booster, huge morale booster. If you don't produce, but you know the species is incredibly difficult and very niche and very demanding. You took on that project knowing that, mm-hmm. or you should have taken that project on knowing that. And I feel like there are certain individuals out there who are very selective in what they keep, and those species are so difficult and so niche and whatever. It's almost you I can't how do I phrase this? I have no sympathy when you get pouty because you knew what you're getting into. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and I agree with. I'm I'm not saying that's not yeah. true at all. It's just I think I think if you're going to be one of those people who only works with the hard to breed rare species, you need to have a couple things in there just so you can kind of have like a litmus test of okay, I'm not bad. This is just you know these are just hard. Yeah. I've I still got it's, this. It's, you know I've still yeah. got this. I've still I've got the skills because especially with these hard these hard to breed species you're going to have a lot more just drop dead than you're ever going to have drop eggs. Well, and that goes and to... And that's really disheartening for no, most I, people. I, There's I, a few people that yeah. can put up with it. Well, that's that's the Robstone millipede theory. You know, we're Smitty and I are in West Texas with the NPR boys, and we're getting skunked left and right. Haven't seen a snake in hours. And Rob looks at us and goes, we keep seeing these little millipedes on the side of the road, and we we see them. They're cool so as hell. We, we know it's not us. We know that we're not missing the snakes. They're just mm-hmm. not there. And I feel like it's the same kind of thing with, you know, you saying you want to have the side project or the, or the supplemental project is I bred balls or I bred carpets or whatever because I'm not being so successful with the lesser sundas or whatever. Or whatever. I think it's, yeah. it's the same. It's the same concept. Yeah. You, you just I don't know if I'm little, explaining this well, but it's you just need a, that little validation that it's not just you need you. the validation. Yeah. I feel like everyone, you know, there may be a few people that don't, but there's a lot more people that do than there are that don't. Yeah. I think it's 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 also not that the harder stuff isn't as enjoyable, but it is it's like you said before, and like I've said before, like there's something to be said for something that's just like stress-free just easy enjoy like you just gotta you get to sit back and enjoy it you don't have to worry about your incubator being two degrees off you don't have to worry about uh you know your your female eating your male um mm-hmm. you just you know like that's that's why i love the corns like there's the beauty is in the simplicity same with the bairds and the you know any of the other rat snake stuff minus the Jansen nine that's a completely different story. Um, I just there there's a there's a there's a very like wholesomeness or like purity to it of just simple. Yeah, because I mean something like chondros, it's a it's a roller coaster, and you're gonna have that little oh she's building follicles oh they're locking and nothing happened, or oh my or god that happened and she and died. Just, just, or something you know, like that. Your hair out, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you have most... to, you have to, you have to balance the two. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have the, the good and the, the easy and, then and the hard. success. It's amazing. It's just yeah. going year in year out, saying, and she's building follicles, and oh, the male died. Now what? You know, that's very, very disheartening. And yeah. sometimes it's just because those species just they're hard. You know, and you say, okay, but I got three clutches of corn snakes and, you know, a half fertile clutch of chondros. Maybe it's just the fact that the chondros, you don't have them nailed down yet, but you're still a good reptile keeper, you know? Yeah. I never really questioned, you know, my, like my abilities where if something didn't happen, I'm like, maybe it's me. Like, it's just one of those things where it just didn't happen. Just take it in in stride. I'm like, you know. Things things roll. It happens. It's part of the hobby. You're in it long enough. You're gonna lose things. Things aren't gonna go the way you expected them to. But you know, you just take yeah. it in stride, and it's like, hey, we'll get them next year. You know, and there's, just there's like, so like losing many, the Super Bowl. Well, it's so many unforeseen variables 
You know what I mean? Like you have no idea if that baby had a heart murmur or if that baby was born with, you know, enlarged organs or whatever. Like we just don't know. So. That's actually something that like Chris, either Chris or Doc brought up on the last Corner Stars episode was like, we see these, we have these genes and stuff and everything outwardly seems completely normal, but we have no idea if like these things are half blind because of this morph and we you know we may never know because outwardly it looks like a completely normal completely healthy animal yeah yeah and like we were talking about earlier the the money isn't there to back the science the way it is in other mm-hmm. avenues yeah you know? so could change uh, what's that said it could change it is i think it is changing i think it is dynamically evolving especially since science is finally really looking at reptiles and amphibians for a gauntlet of other things you know whether it be you know stem cell or venoms or proteins and peptides and whatever no (laughs) yeah okay yeah Huh, well, we are at the witching hour, sir. Is there anything else you want to cover? Nope. Just getting ready for the great cool down. Well, I believe it. I already started feathering my uh, my temperatures and like <clears throat> I have a bunch of heat emitters that are not on timers. So kind of like what Smitty does where it forces him to go in the room and turn stuff off and forces him to go in there yep. and play around. I started doing that and uh, just to kind of slowly start to bring temps to a little cooler. And uh, yeah, man, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with the wrinkles because they're getting paired this season. So the rinky dinks, the rinky dinks. I hope you get them. I really hope you get those. Thanks, man. I, I noticed I'll never baby. get a baby, but I hope you get them. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm pro- honestly, it depends on what's going on, but I'm probably just going to hold back everything. So, but uh, my one girl that uh, is big. She's the biggest, biggest one I have. Uh, last year, she definitely went to a seasonal color change and just got drab and dark and muddled ugly. And I just started to see her get, she shed and was darker. And I was like, here it comes. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Are they like traditionally hard to breed? Do you know? Has, are there anybody really like they're, even trying those? Yeah, there's, there's, there's people that, that do it successfully. It's very few and far between. Um, it's another personal goal of mine for a multitude of reasons that mm-hmm. we can talk about off air and, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So, yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like the, you know, wrinkles are a very seasonal animal. Am I wrong for thinking that? Oh yeah. You know, their environment is very seasonal. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. And they're so, it seems like animals that are more seasonal are easier to breed than the like true tropical, like yeah. we don't fully understand because they. They may have a day-night cycle, but it's like 20 minutes different. Yeah. Or I mean, it might I just totally... rain 30 minutes shorter this time of year than oh, this time just, of year. Yeah, it's right. easier to do larger, more drastic swings and things like that than it is with something that's a much more narrow scope of you know seasonality. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that it's – I very much compare the wrinkles to Pitchiophis. No, no, realistically to, to Pitchiophis because you have Pitchiophis in, you know – the northeast of the united states where it gets real cold and they go into a full brumation and then you got pitch in southern florida where 
they don't they just live all year round they kind of go for tortoiseboro when it gets a little bit chilly and then come out (laughs) yeah exactly like they get some frost they'll be in a gopher tortoiseboro they're good to go and the rinks do the same thing and you've got rinks that are from you know extreme western part of the east cape where it really doesn't get that cold and then you got rinks basking in snow in kwazulu natal you know 200 miles west of durban so it it the species, or excuse me, the phenotypes that I have, I'm, I'm ninety percent sure that I've got three or four. No, I would say the majority of them are KwaZulu Natal, and I have two that I think are from East Cape, and you can tell just just the coloration is just completely different. And I really want to see how that's going to pan out in terms of the seasonal color change as some of the ones I have get older. You know, I've got a lot of like yearling or two-year-old stuff. So we'll see how long it takes them to really get that seasonal color variation. Timothy Fryson how do said, we- how do you all feel about breeders wanting to be paid in full before the snakes have shed and are feeding? Absolutely not. If it is no not successfully feeding, I I will not take any money. I there's just There's entirely too much that can go wrong. There's entirely too much uh, chance of bad blood with something like that. It's yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's just, it's the same thing with sort of doing like pre-sailing, pre-selling stuff before it even hatches. It's like, yeah, it's literally putting eggs in one basket and yeah. hoping for the best. Like, it's like... <laughs> Hearing about some of the like locality retic breeders who are like, yeah, I've got a three-year-long wait list. I'm like, absolutely not, absolutely not. There is entirely yeah. too much that can go wrong, and you can make somebody, you can make an enemy versus, you know, an acquaintance real quick. Sure, absolutely. That's just my whole thing with with it all is just making it all, keeping the margin for things to go south as narrow as possible. Yeah, I just keep it simple. That's post it. Someone buys it. Great. Don't have to worry about hunting them down for money. None of that. Just, you know, it's a sweet heliderm hat there, Phil. Thank you very much. I love I'm going to try to come down to Florida, uh, maybe late this month or early next month. So, uh, I will let you know which day that is. Yeah, dude, absolutely. You all, you know, I'm always around. Mm-hmm. Pick me up on your way down. Do it. It's, it's a little out of my way, but I can do it. There's it's a way I can take that goes by Savannah. Well, it depends. There is actually a way I can go that basically takes me right to Savannah, and then I just follow the coast the whole way down. It, it, it all nice, just depends. Nice I, I probably could, actually. I'll be on the it side is, of the road and it's only like... It's about twelve minutes. Lo- it's about twelve miles longer, and you know, six or seven minutes more. And the GPS, it depends on what the traffic's doing that day, which way it tells me to go. And I can say with full confidence that Justin's Island is very quaint and adorable. It is. I went there once. Uh, how, did it get messed up by the hurricane? I was going to ask you about no, that because no. it hit her. It hit South Carolina, right? It hit like Myrtle Beach, which no one's upset about because it's Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, oh, geez. We got we got a lot. It was like super windy, and then we got some pretty standard rain. So it was really nothing. As everyone was messaging me like, "Are you guys okay?" It's like we didn't we didn't get anything. Like we just got got windy. Some pine cones fell. Some leaves are on the ground. 
We will rebuild. Katie had to take <laughs> her hammock down. The, the trampoline oh. didn't fly away. That's like the true litmus test. Like if the trampoline flies away, you know it was bad. But if that trampoline didn't move, you're good. Yeah, That's why Southern to, Backyards uh, have trampolines in the first place. That's how we know. I need to uh, reach out to the uh, Santa Bal Captiva Nature Society because all those barrier islands got destroyed. And I know that they were studying a bunch of animals on those islands that are endemic to those barrier islands. And I mean, life finds a way, man. Nature was here before we had, you know, resorts and hotels, but they got whacked real good. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to reach out and see if uh, how they're doing and go from there. So, and Gillen, I, I don't know that person. So I'm, I know the name. Hit, yeah, it, it sounds familiar. Hit me up off here, and uh, and we'll 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 make friends. So. Uh, there's a retic breeder who has stipulations on what you can do with snakes you purchase from him. That's a that's a big pass for me too. Yeah, I've seen that before. I mean, okay. Well, no, I, I was gonna say like, well, if I found out I'm some, I was selling somebody a Brettles that was going to be a, a feeder, I probably wouldn't do it. But like, that's about the line for me. You know, if what I found if out they, they were gonna be what keeping if they it, bred it to a ball python created a whole new type of age bread balls <laughs> bread balls i don't know i mean if it's like hey i'm gonna go see if i can let them go in south texas and see if i can get a little ranch ranch population like the chameleon guys do i mean my morbid curiosity would want to know about that but i still wouldn't do it but like first of all that's <laughs> i'm very interested in that project i want no part of it personally but uh update <laughs> me on it yeah. I still want to see a, a, a roughy green tree cross, damn it. There has to be photo it'll, evidence that they the battle chondra. want it. The battle chondra will happen. <clears throat> so. I do think it would be kind of cool, and this is complete sacrilege because of how rare they are. It would be kind of cool to get one of the dwarf berms, get a dwarf berm male, and like a, a mixed locality super dwarf retic female. And try to go for like tiny bat eaters. I do think that would be really cool, but I yeah, think it is only like a... acceptable if you use a male. If you have, if you own a pair of pronger shei, and use the male on a female retic, you well, no, you what's... cannot waste a female. Itty bitty bat eater. Is that a, that's yeah, not you... pronger shei? Is it? Pronger is bloods. Okay, yeah. What's the dwarf berms? The dwarf berm starts with the P too. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I, well, I think it's, well, I say, yeah, so it's not Pronger Shei. That's wrong. You do a Jampea male to a Sri Lankan python female. See, I feel like you're just, you're asking for trouble with doing something like that because all its organs are going to be messed up. Like, like it's going to yeah. have the, the short tail python intestines and like the retakes heart and it's just not going to. No, no, like, Sri Lankan, not short tail, Sri Lankan. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. Sorry, You're it's getting late. No, hybrids, cool. anyways. What difference does it make? Something's <laughs> gonna be wrong with it. There is, but like, I also feel like when somebody was trying to do a green tree python, short tail python cross, like, I feel like then you're just asking for like, oh yeah, incompatible yeah. like skeletal structures and organs. Like, genetically, it can happen, but like, physiologically, <laughs> you're getting like green tree python heart rate on like a blood python's fat content, and you're getting like, I don't know, you're mixing. The kidneys and the spinal, yeah, it's just a disaster. Like that animal's not going to have a good life. 
on that note <laughs> on that note don't do that people it's bad on that note like a bulldog in the gray <laughs> yeah right like a <laughs> oh god prog shy prog shy prog shy yeah, that's 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 kind of what I was trying to say, but I think I've mixed it up with the. Wait, so is Prague Prog, Prog Shai is is the Sri Lankan? Yeah, Python, oh, okay. Divitatis, Pogs. Slammers. Okay, okay. Slammers and Pogs. Did you have Pogs as a kid? Of course, I did. I never knew what to do with them. I just had them. No one did, I, dude. Do you know how many Slammers I had? It was like, is it made of lucite with something inside it? I'll buy it. I'm a child. Snakes and Stogies, episode 138. Bring back Beyblades. Those were pretty cool. Dude, I had a whole tackle box. I had the little arena. Me and the neighborhood kids would be huddled up on the corner like we were rolling dice, but we were... (laughs) What we were playing was... Let's close the show out and we'll talk about this off air because, yeah. (laughs) All right. This episode was brought to you by Black Box Gages. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, blackboxgages.com. Billy Jenkins has some some day blades. He knows what's up. He said, "Pull up." <laughs> and I had the manual puller thing, not that not that crap, uh, like automatic one with the battery. I was a real man. That's why my my biceps are so huge. Uh, roommate's going off about day blades right now. Yeah, because they're awesome. Um. Blackboxcages.com. Completely lost my train of thought. Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. Um, we'll be back on Thursday for THP. And we have more Corn Stars in the works. We have a ConjureCast episode in the works. And that is all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all. Yeah. I was very scatterbrained. I didn't get a lot of sleep, so I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on and ramble a little bit. We appreciate the Tinley recap. That's right. It was a good episode. It was. Yeah, I had a good time. I had a really good time with this one. Yeah. All right. Thanks, all. Bye.